There it is. Hang on. So what'd you think of that one? Oh, it's very cool. Very that's, cool. Super that's, cool. Yeah, man. Uh, actually, Jules did that, and uh, he showed me. And I was like, "Man, how'd you do that?" So he actually uploaded it up here, so I could do it all the time. I was like, "Dude, that's absolutely awesome, man!" Right? Yeah, definitely Ab- needs to happen every time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But listen, everybody, we are live. Welcome to another Pendergast podcast, and it's an honor to sit here with my friend Ryan Snooks today. What's I can't happening? wait. Yeah, dude, what is going on? I've been super excited about this one since we met in Jersey. Uh, we've been talking a lot since then, but yeah, I want to get into it, Ryan. So how, what's up, man? How's everything going? What's up, everybody? I'm Ryan Snooks from Ready to Ride in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Uh, super pumped to be here on the podcast. I've done a few of them, but this is uh, this is one of my favorite ones that obviously explores around the world. So uh, honored to be here and uh, talk about some of the things we got going on, engine buildings and Daytona 200 and and uh, how we got here. So it's really, really cool to be here. Thank you. Oh, man, listen, it's my honor, bro, for real. Absolutely my honor. And, and this is everybody, this is just part one of, of many that we're actually going to do. So, yes, yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, but, yeah, Ryan, again, bro, it's it's a beautiful day here in Virginia. The weather is actually nice. It rained a little bit, but now the yeah. sun's out. and Turned yeah, around here, too. It's like 72 degrees, 74 degrees or something right now. It's beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Can't answer better than that. Right? I wish it would stay like this year-round, but unfortunately, that's not the case. <laughs> you know? Yeah, North Carolina, it's 50-50, you know? Yeah, <laughs> Same in Virginia. Do. It is absolutely. Uh, my man Steve Vasblom is watching. He says, Jacksonville. I rode for the team Yamaha Endurance in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Nice, oh, wow. man. Yeah, Steve. Steve's really cool, man. I'm actually going to have a chat with him here soon. He's actually in New Zealand, man. So it is Sunday there, not Saturday. <laughs> um, it's just like when I do some of the Australians, like Cameron Swain, right? Uh, I actually had to, I had the time mixed up. I was like, because you're 16 hours ahead. And so I was like, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it a little bit tricky, right? With, with the whole timing of getting them on time of day. Um, right. But yeah, we make it work. But anyway, Ron, enough about all that. We're here for you, man. I'm excited to hear your story, man. This is this is yeah. what it's all about, man. So let's take it from the very beginning, Ryan. Yeah, it's been uh, been one heck of a journey doing motorcycles. I think anybody can attest that like once you once you pick this sport it's like you either either dabble in it for a while or you jump in and like i'm definitely one of those riders that jumped in uh, <laughs> um when i was when i was a kid i had a dirt bike uh when i was like 14 that was when i got my first one and i nobody ever really taught me about nothing except how to take off so um <laughs> you know i rode it around the yard and stuff but that was as far as i really went with it once i was uh old enough to buy a street bike i bought a cbr 1000 somehow survived my first two years of riding around on the street on something like that with no experience or skill or need for you know that type of horsepower man that was your first bike at cbr <laughs> went out what an introduction to the street man yeah yeah i i don't even know why it, I, I went to the store and you know there's this beautiful white pearl white cbr 09 cbr 1000 and uh as soon as i sat on it i was you know honestly it was just like 
I'm going to go to the store and buy one. I don't know what it's going to be, but this one, you know, connected with me <laughs> and I cherished that thing for years. And I ended up, that's what I did my first track days on and, and started, uh, getting entry level into the, to the road racing, you know, doing amateur stuff. I had a couple big crashes over a hundred, 120, 150 mile an hour and was really like an eye opener. You know, how capable those machines are not of only of what they can, how capable they are to ride as a stock motorcycle, but how capable they are of hurting you, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so after the, there was a big crash at VAR and I got super hurt. So I was out for a while. But um, I was like, well, it's like $5,000 to fix my bike, but I could buy this Ninja 300 for for 2500 bucks. And I was like, well, maybe I should do that. And so I did. And it was easier for me to kind of piece that one together and start getting into it. And that was the best decision I ever made as far as a racer, you know, taking that big, big step down and it kind of, you know, it sucked as a man to be like, oh, now I'm going to ride a little girl's bike or whatever. But that transition, you know, was the, it slowed things down enough for me and like where my brain was at to, to start picking things up. So, and I, I did the, uh, CCS ASRA championship for, for like two years on that and started to become a little successful, even in the expert class. So I was like, all right, well, kind of, you know, figured it out you got to roll <laughs> it's it's so much faster than you think's capable and the 300 really allows that to happen you know there's no way you're going to be anywhere near the front if you're grabbing that brake lever yeah now you're, you're uh, right and i dude, listen i'm a huge fan of of putting putting your pride to the side and jumping on that smaller bike man you learn so much yeah riding riding a, a slow bike fast then riding a fast bike slow you don't learn nothing riding a fast bike slow you're you're you're, you're timid you're scared you're not relaxed you know so yeah, therefore so you're, you're not advancing it is it, it's so much to take at one time versus a, a, a lot of the guys us men ex, especially us men right oh i'm the fastest i got the biggest balls in the world <laughs> i can handle this no problem right and then you get on it and, and this little guy on his 300 just waxes your ass and you're like wait a minute right uh yeah, but yeah it's it's um that's why i'm a I big was, advocate go ahead Oh yeah, you're good. I was, uh, I was 19 years old, you know, I was still in the Marine Corps. So I had these, uh, fresh Marine blood in me. I was like, well, I'm not getting no little bike. And so it, it took and for me, I think I was out, you know, I had retired from that and, and finished that job and had started, uh, actually working on bikes when, uh, I transitioned to the smaller one. I had to, I had to take a big step back and it was, you know, there probably wasn't any way I was going to do it when I was even younger. So I was like 22 then at that point, 23. So I was still started a little late in the game, you know, and that's probably uh, 20, 20 when I was 22 is when I really started racing it. So, um, yeah, definitely into the 20s. To, I see, and I see that all the time with our local guys. Uh, you know, they're riding the brand new ZX6, brand new ZX10, whatever. And, um, nobody wants to, to slow down they even think that going to the track is slower than what they're doing out on the street sometimes it's kind of amazing that's definitely not the case you know you can even you can only go faster at the track that's uh, uh it's pretty cool but um so yeah after i uh, experimented with the 300 um i got an sv650 and uh i worked a little bit with russell mascar and billy pedro and 
um, a bunch of people who were well-tuned in the SVs. Mine was a 2003 model, you know, I was still racing that in 2019. So it was a 15, 16 year old bike. And that's what I did my first Moto America qualifier on. Oh, let me back up. The only reason I could ever get to Moto America is because I got on that 300, but then we wanted an endurance race. Um, we saw that uh, the team challenge and there wasn't a ton of competition in the lightweight series. You know, there's three or four bikes that were moving pretty good. And uh, myself and one of my mechanics here at the shop thought that it would be a great idea to put one of these SVs together and, and do that with um, what turned out to be with Billy Pedro. And we, we did the whole series for a couple of years. And I think we finished twice both years. We didn't win it, but that really, you know, lit a fire up under us to keep doing it because not only is it we're still building as riders and we and we use that um, mentality to push each other, you know, that we're never, you're never perfect. The bike's never going to be perfect. You can always improve and um, keep, and we just keep pushing each other and stuff. So it was a really cool team building experience, sometimes two or three riders, or sometimes we'd go to the race and do it solo. We actually showed up to, to Summit Point one time and did a uh, hundred, a hundred laps or three hours or a hundred laps uh, was the race. And Ed and I both showed up with our SVs and we thought that it was a two hour race and turned out to be a three. And that was one of the most grueling and testing things that I ever did on a motorcycle. But after that, you know, you do something really hard, like a three hour race and a hundred degrees, everything else has been easier since then, you know? So now we do, we sign up for the two hour races on purpose, you know, solo and uh, the whole team now, everyone kind of is they see what's capable so now they're pushing each other and they everybody wants to do better and it's it's a it's been really cool it all and it all stemmed from taking that step back and getting on a bike that you can only improve on you know we're still experiencing the fastest lap records on the 400s and they're the same bike so they're they're you know it's it's a bike that can only be improved on you can only find more of the limit or whatever and especially here with our American riders, they can, we can definitely only improve, <laughs> you know, no, here in America, in America. <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. And then, uh, CJ Cohen, what is up my man? He's racing in the hey, Daytona 200. Up, yeah. CJ's absolutely oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah. He says Snooky. Yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. And then, uh, my man, Steve, again, what is going on, Steve? He says, really and truly the 300 class made you a racer, right? So taking you from that, uh, 1,000, not really learning a lot, stepped down to a 300, that really honed your race craft, right? You, yeah. you, you really got to to know what a bike really feels like when the front's pushing or tucking or just everything that, that goes along with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've been really fortunate. Um, haven't crashed them much. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to crash them. I mean, you can, you can, the tires are so capable you know, and you, as long as you have some proper equipment, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing how fast you can go on them. And like I said, using less and less and less brake and getting comfortable with the upright to leaned over braking. There's that portion where you're, you know, the tipping and you're modulating a lot of brake there. And the 300 just gives you a little bit more time to think about that stuff. It's not so aggressive and extreme. And a lot, it really allowed me to, to learn. And then, the other thing that you're saying is like growing as a racer or uh, your race etiquette, you know, and, and not making the pass at the wrong time. Because if you do on the 300 and you run wide, you're, 
losing positions, you know, yeah. for sure. So you really have to be smart and plan those, those timings of when you're going to make the passes. So, like I said, we still ride the 400 now. I think it's been a great tool. I'm kind of ready to, to turn it over to somebody. I want, I want somebody else to ride my bike, but we, you know, I won the championship last year. So it's, it's hard for me. <laughs> it's hard for me to want, you know, to, to say, here's my championship without even giving a contest to it. You know, I want to try yeah. and at least push Logan. If he's, uh, if he's doing it with me, it's really fun to compete with him. And I know that he gives it his all and, you know, bumps me around a little bit and, and pushes me to my absolute limit. So that's only, con I'm only continuing to learn on it. And like I said, they're rather safe when you do crash them. It's usually pretty gnarly, but <laughs> you know, there isn't really, it's either like you fall over or it's, you know, it's super fast. So, yeah. but they're, they're really good bikes for experimenting and pushing and just trying different things. So highly recommend them, especially racing them. It's the best part. You know, you get 20 of them on a racetrack and it's, there's nothing like it. If you're all super bike riders, it's super cool to race super bikes, but you know, there's usually like three to five of those people who know what they're doing on those bikes. <clears throat> Plus the cost is a whole lot more, right? With the super bike versus 400 for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Your tires last all day instead of one race. <clears throat> Right. Yep. And then my mate Chris Lewis, man, is in the house all the way from the UK, man. He says, Hello up, there. Chris? How's it going? Yeah, Chris is absolute awesome, man. Yeah, I see him all the time on here. I actually sent him some stickers uh in the mail. He should be getting, I mean, it'll take a while. Uh, I sent him out the other day. So yeah, it should uh he'll get them sometime, right? Um that's cool. But yeah, uh Steve says uh she said that's why the SV series is so good. It's all about corner speed and it teaches you how to uh corner steer, brake, leaned over. Yeah, like yeah, uh, right. trail braking for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, love there's a lot. Go ahead. Sorry, Ron. No, what's up? No, I was gonna say there's a lot to be said, you know, uh as you're entering the corner, uh trail braking, letting off the brakes, getting back on the gas and standing it back up. There, there there's a method to that madness right there, and you can oh, make yeah. up a lot of time just in that little window i mean it's a small window yeah uh, well you yeah. have no you have no power so you're maximizing how much track you need and how much track there is you know you like sometimes you have to use the absolute limits of the track but then there's other times where using the absolute limit is like two or three extra feet that you don't need and you kind of have to find that medium of like well where do i maximize the track where do i not need to go to the edge of the track and it it helps you learn those capabilities of the track itself. You know, I don't know with leader bike or 600, you don't have any time to think about how, you know, what you feel like you're at the edge of the track, but you're like a foot away from it on the 400. You're like, Oh shoot, I'm a foot away from the edge of the track. You can see it, you know, there's just time or whatever. But uh, especially like on the 650, that's like the class that starts really implementing the rear brake. I feel like, and, um, like the next step like we use i used the rear brake a little bit on the 400 but it's not needed quite as much especially with the you know the slipper clutches they got it's um it works rather well so uh the uh but the neck that next level you got to implement the rear brake so it's like exactly the maximizing corner speed with these little wiggly frames and <laughs> using the brakes properly as little as possible 
um, a super fun class. I had a blast racing. I did, so I raced the twins class for two years, um, full years. And, uh, that's what I, my first step into the pro stuff at, with Moto America, I raced at VAR and that was, um, I wish we still raced at VAR. It's definitely uh, one of too. my favorite places, man. Me too. Just a, you know, a really beautiful facility and, um, it was just, it's honestly that's a place that's an honor to even go to you know it was it was something really special so it's a bummer to not be there but that's where i had my best success <laughs> um i feel like i started i started my first race 36th in the twins class so i was dead last because i crashed in qualifying the first lap like an idiot <laughs> so they put they put me last but provisionally started me i worked my way up to 12th place after uh after uh you know the 20 laps or whatever and i was that motivated me more than anything and it was i was just trying to get out there and do it you know i we had a poor conditions for qualifying that morning qualifying too and when i went out there and i fell i was like well shoot they're not gonna let me race and they did and i was like well i'm not like i gotta show something i can't finish 35th you know or whatever like i actually gotta do something and I rode my little hard out on my 03 SV650, and uh, then I was like, all right, we're going to do this. So I built that R or FZ07 and kept improving it and stuff, and um, BarkCon Racing kind of saw that I was doing everything on my own. And uh, even at the end of the day, we, my, my wife and I, or myself and the team, whoever was with me, we'd walk around uh, the pits and say hi to everybody and, and still kind of communicate. Um, so BarkCon Racing picked me up uh, for the 21 season, and I raced with uh, Dominic Doyle and Kayla Yakoff, which was, like, you know, another huge honor to, like, these are some serious riders, you know. Uh, Dominic's always proven himself on any machine he rides, and then same with Kayla. I mean, she proves herself anywhere around the world. <laughs> um, Absolutely. You know, just a, just a supreme talent. And uh, so it, it's cool because now we all have a connection and a friendship that, like, you know, stayed with us after, you know, we all split apart from the team or whatever. And, um, you know, we all just grew up out of the, uh, to the next, to the next ride. So it's like, uh, it's been super cool. And, and like I said, it all started with moving down and then being able to move to that middle class. I'm an adult, so I, I should be riding a twin or above, but. Um, I just have so much fun on the smaller bikes. I mean, it's, and that's what we preach, you know, it's, it's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be all work and, um, uh, riding a 600 or a leader bike is, it's an immense amount of work while you're riding a bike, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's a ton yeah. there. There's nothing like a 180 plus horsepower. Yeah. There's nothing like that. So you got to have fun. There's fun on that, but it's competitive it's competitive series it's expensive oh yeah for sure i'm a i'm a huge twins fan anyway i've always from the first v twin i rode i was like this is it oh, this yeah. is where it's at forget the 199 mile an hour i'm trying to come out the corner like a raped ape right and, that twin, <laughs> and they sound Weird. so good yeah bah, it just it's uh I'm the, yeah this news aprilia's are shaking up the field and i'm really excited to see the the, the s8 or the the Suzuki's 800 or 880 CC or whatever cheater bike they brought out now. <laughs> yeah, right. 870 or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, we, we need to expand the class. So hopefully uh Honda, they have that Honda Hornet out. It's like an 800 CC. Hopefully they can, someone can get that going. And 
I'd love to see the class expand and then open it up a little bit more, you know, where the, the other bikes can do kind of whatever. So we'll see at Daytona. I, I know the uh, uh, Chris Ulrich's uh, M4 Suzuki uh, SVs, whatever, are, they're going to be fast. You know what I mean? They're not going to bring them if they're not fast. So if, no, they've yeah. signed, if they've signed up, then they know they know what's up. Absolutely. So it'll be it'll be cool. It'll be cool, you know, with the Robum, uh, the Robum bikes and all these, and it'll, and a bunch of new teams. There's a couple other new teams that are coming out too, so that'll be really good. Stacked class as well as the Super Sport and and then Super Bikes growing as well. So it's all good stuff. It, it absolutely it is. Matter of fact, my my uh my friend Rossi Moore is on the the new Suzuki. Uh, yeah, Rossi on. Moore. That's right. Great yep. kid. Yeah, dude, that's my that's my dude, man. All you guys are my dudes, man. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Rossi's. Uh, yeah, man, absolutely oh, amazing talent. I was watching him. I, he actually first really showed out to us at the uh, the mini GP stuff when they were racing the old bales uh, a few years ago. And I would point him out to Logan. I said, "Look at how fluid he is on the motorcycle and how capable he is of moving around." I mean, just an extremely loose rider and very fluid and that's uh you know proven itself obviously in his finishes that it, it works really well so it's great to see it's great to see him continue and get a ride and <clears throat> and do something hopefully this year i think he'll do great especially uh, with the yeah. with his teammate absolutely you know it's it's when you there's certain people you see and you watch their their styles just different than everybody else's, right? They just do things yeah. on a motorcycle that makes it look easy and how fluid they <laughs> are. Rossi is absolutely one of those guys. I'm not saying that my friend Avery is any slower at Levi Batty or any of my other friends. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying no. his riding he's style got a, is just he's different. got a clean style. Yeah, very. absolutely, very very clean, and it's really a, a pleasure to watch. Everybody is too, right? But you just yeah. it don't seem like he's He's even trying. It, 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 it just he's so smooth with it. It's it it reminds me a little bit of uh Max Biaggi back in the day or or Jorge Lorenzo, right? That style mm -hmm. that's non-aggressive, it's super fluid, super smooth. Yeah, constantly moving around on the bike. It's absolute honor to see. And then we got Robert Langford. He says Daytona bike is the same bike Posh rode at Loudon. Yep. Yeah, the bike Absolutely. were uh Yep. We're actually here. You guys want to see it real quick? I absolutely, we want to see it. Uh, just give me one second. Yeah. Um, we this is we the, like the uh, show and tell. Yeah, this is our shop. It's about 1,200 square feet uh, of motorcycles crammed into a, a building. But the uh, the bike um, was ridden by Brandon Posh at Loudon. The owner of it is actually giving a little jazz right now, Philip Bailey. Um uh, right now, we're just currently doing some safety wire stuff and working the uh, special brake pads. And um, this bike has the complete I2M Chrome uh, data system, as well as uh, so potentiometers and uh, quick shift auto blip. Uh, we've done the full GYTR engine now, so um, that's the the head and cams and pistons and rods and crank and clutch uh so we're hoping to have uh, some serious power it was completely together yesterday for our grand opening of the new store but today we're finishing the potentiometer on the rear shock and a couple other little 
safety wire bits and stuff. Um, Absolutely awesome, man. There's a you lot know, of there's so there. much that goes. Oh yeah, dude, <laughs> bro. The yeah. parts to that engine, the parts to that engine was over ten thousand dollars. I yeah. don't even like saying that out loud because Philip cringes every time he hears it. But <laughs> I bet I cringe too. I was like, oh, parts, dude, parts. That's why we do it all ourselves. So a few years ago, that's kind of what it came to. Like I said on the SV and stuff, I I was like, well, I need. I need more power, 78 horsepower, 80 horsepower. It ain't going to cut it. What do I do? Like, you guys are killing me on a straightaway, and we were going to Road America. So uh, Mike Copulus is a, is a big uh, supporter of us and has uh, given me some numbers and some information over the years and got me some pistons, gave me some information, to some secret data, you know. So I threw pistons and cams in one of the SVs and got it to, like, 85 horsepower or whatever. But... Uh, <laughs> We made it out to Road America, and I and I actually had a good time. Um, learned a lot. Don't wait to the last day to put your engine together and stuff like that, <laughs> you know. But right. um, uh, once I, you know, you can only pay someone in this sport really once to do something, and then you're like, all right, it's too expensive. I need to do it myself. Uh, unless you have, you know, enough, enough money and a building an engine can cost $5,000 and you might need two of that in a year. That's, I've raced on that budget, you know, $10,000 have competed for a whole year where you, know, you get only one set of tires every race, or you only get one rear or something like that. And you go and use used front tires and, um, whatever it takes. I mean, we did, we've done whatever it takes over the last six years to make it happen. So, um, I went to Daytona last year and uh mfd garage helped me out uh they're in florida uh like a youtube promotional channel mm -hmm. um they let me borrow their bikes for daytona and he said hey you know they haven't been ridden in a few years but if you pick them up service them you can take them down uh, it was the bike that jeff may rode in 2019 nice which was very cool so i knew that if he told he when he told me that and i saw that year's race you know jeff was uh, up in the front so i was like all right well let's grab them but to, let's put into perspective this was three years ago um we get the bikes service them up get them all ready about 125 130 horsepower um older gen r6s so quick shifters that's about it you know pretty standard uh builds um, back then you couldn't do anything to the r6 engine so i mean it's basically a stock engine with like a freshed up head and whatnot and um so they were they were still great running bikes but on uh, at daytona around the banking we were losing seven seconds so in the infield i was within a half a second of everybody else right but then you get onto the banking and you lose seven seconds in that two miles from one end to the other you know so i was like all right well we can't come back next year with the same thing it's just not going to work you know we need need some more power and these guys they're their Ducatis, I'm sure they're over 140, 150 horsepower, which is just absolutely insane. But they'll be clicking off 180 mile an hour every lap this year, uh, no problem. You know, after they got a test test run last year, and then so this year, I think there's like 10 Ducatis on the field. But uh, yeah. to compete with that, you know, and the lap times are going to be incredibly fast. To compete with that, you got to have some type of some type of horsepower. So uh, luckily. Philip was putting this bike together and asked me to, to build the engine. And after we're like halfway through it, he's like, I think you should race this at Daytona. 
<laughs> and I was like, I don't think that's a good idea, man. And he's like, no, man, that's a good idea. <laughs> and uh, Let's do I tried, it. I tried talking him out of it like 10 times, but he twisted my arm enough and said, get your license and you can use the bike. Um, that was right around the time that Brandon rode it. So we put the bike together for Brandon to ride it uh, with a stock engine. So he, he had a stock engine that, that allowed him. Um, and now we've refitted a few things and got the quick change wheels and tank and, um, you know, like I said, made it something kind of special for endurance, especially with the, the data. So we can, you know, hopefully have someone like Brandon or another talented rider ride it again with us and use that data back and forth. That's, that's invaluable stuff to, to say, this is possible. You're slow here you know yeah, uh, stuff sure. like that immediate yeah. immediate we really uh stepped up the with for the team with the data stuff these last couple of years because it like i said the invaluableness of it um little logan uh, the racer that i support um is doing a junior cup and we got data on his bike last year we found portions of the track that things that we we didn't even think were possible you know you think that a rider is going full pinned to the brakes, right? I mean, that's what we assume that we're doing. There is portions of the track where he was going full pinned, sitting up and then braking. And we're talking about 0.2 of a second or 0.4 of a second or whatever, very minimal amount of times, but there was moments that he was looking, searching, braking, instead of driving directly to a, a moment and, and going directly to the brakes. So, um, by finding that, it made him a second faster, you know, and that's something that you would never see without data. You would yeah. you would just assume that the rider's doing it correctly, and you can't tell them that they're because that because what do you you know if you don't have data, what do you focus on? Suspension, what the rider says, and horsepower. And that's like, it. That's, that's all you got. Yeah, you know, that's all you can really. That's it. Yeah, the bike's maintained. It's not shaking, right? No, it feels good. <laughs> like, are you revving okay. out? No. Okay, then. I mean, what more can we really do? Yeah. Um, but now we have this this instrument that, it, yeah, the front end shaking uh, here and here, and you can see on the graph irregular irregular irregularities. Irregular Yeah, I get tongue twisted too. So yeah, yeah. I made I might have made that one up. <laughs> it's all good. Y'all heard it. Y'all y'all heard it first on Pin the Gas. <laughs> I love but, it. Uh, yeah. So. Um, Oh, it, I'm, I must be hungry because I just I'm waiting to eat my chef eats, which is the newest sponsor of Ready to Ride. Um, if you'd like to get some chef eats for yourself, you can use the promo code slow to pro all caps slow to pro um, and save 10 uh, percent. Love it, dude. Big shout Saw out to chef. Eats. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're great. And this is some good stuff. It's all uh, vacuum sealed yep. um, inside the package. This is the salmon. Uh, it's yep. a. Delicious. I'm actually gonna throw it back in the fridge since I didn't eat it yet. Yeah, no, go, go ahead, man. I actually uh I, I had Jeff on the podcast and dude, we become really good friends and he actually sent me thank you so much, Jeff, again for sending me. He sent me six chef eats, uh took him to uh work with me every day and they're oh, cool. absolutely amazing. I tell everybody Yeah, they're really good. Um, yeah, yeah, I tell you don't be afraid to jazz them up. You know, everyone thinks so, like you get these meals and you're like, Oh, sometimes like 
Oh, I feel like it doesn't have enough flavor. Like I, I don't have the problem with Chef Pete. Someone told me this about a different brand, but I was like, put a little sauce on it. You know what I mean? That's all you got to do. Yes. You don't have to stick to the package. I mean, geez, but yeah. they've uh, they're delicious for me, and uh, my favorite one's the steak, uh, especially like on the weekends where you're you're riding so much. And then, you know, when do you ever get to cram a steak down? Never. But the, it makes the package so easy. You throw it in the microwave. It's in between session or whatever, and you can eat. 30 grams of protein and a really good food and that's uh or more you know and that's invaluable oh, <laughs> especially absolutely. how easy it is to store them and you know just keep it in the cooler or the fridge and i've tried like hello fresh and there's another <clears> one <throat> i tried right it's just because it's like yeah it is expensive to go in the grocery store it's almost the same cost it's you know it's it's it was okay but when i tried the chef eats i was like this is absolutely amazing. Like I didn't have to put any salt on it. And usually I right. put salt on not everything, but dude, salt just makes everything better. Right. So I really watch what I eat, but I just put just a tad bit. Right. Um, but with his man, I think my favorite meal, he sent me a breakfast Philly omelet, Ooh, had nice. fettuccine Alfredo, a goat cheese kind of chicken Alfredo thing. Now that was absolutely amazing. They all that are. Yeah. It was. It was really, really good, man. Absolute. Listen, Chris Parrish is in the house. What is up, Chris? Oh, what's up, Chris? Yeah. Snooks, I need 10 push-ups pronto for Daytona. <laughs> Got you, Chris. Uh, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah, it is. It's uh, what Jeff Servin uh, is doing for the sport and helping everybody out, providing them just the best meals you could have there. It's three minutes and 30 seconds in the microwave. I mean, you can't beat that. Right. Well, and like I said, the storage, I mean, with it being vacuum sealed, I don't know how many times I've gone to pull out a pack of hot dogs or meat or whatever, and it's soaked of water out of the cooler. I mean, with these, you put them on a, you know, a bag of ice or whatever, and it honestly is no problem at all. So much better, much, much better than the competitor. Absolutely. He's thinking with this one, he's a good man, good, good thoughts. And he yeah. honestly, you know, they do it all themselves and they're trying to promote the healthy lifestyle so that's that's all that we can ask for we eat so much fast you know we eat so much fast food being on the road and everything all the time it's all we can ask for is something healthy yeah i'm a i'm a um i changed my diet completely up dude you you wouldn't know it dude but i weighed like 260 pounds i was almost on a size 40 waist bro i'm in a 34 now i'm like 202 thank you and, man congratulations well, appreciate it man I, hey it was hard work right it's not just changing my diet i changed my diet i do I do my breathing exercises. I, I do like the Wim Hof method where I do the 30 deep breaths and then I hold my breath and I'll knock out push-ups and I try to do like a certain amount of push-ups a day and just watch yeah. what I eat. No fast food, no processed. I mean, I try to limit, very limit my processed food I take in, right? I like to cook at home, so I make a lot of things from scratch. I make my own salad dressings. I don't buy store-bought salad dressings. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, Those are always the best whenever uh, some of my family's into uh you know, some gourmet cooking and stuff and they make all their own stuff and crave that, crave that kind of food. Yeah. It's, it's, it's but, but being on the road, right. Sometimes you have no choice. It's like, uh, like, so when I take trips, right, we'll stop like at a sheets or a Wawa or, uh, of course, if I go to my main one, Bucky's, I'm getting fever nuggets uh -oh. and all that good <laughs> stuff. Right. Yeah. Of course I'm an indulge there, but usually like if I go to sheets or Wawa's or some, uh, I'll buy like a bunch of fruits, apples, oranges, uh, grapes, strawberries, uh, and like a little thing of beef jerky just to get some protein. So I'm not, you know, just absolutely starving 20 minutes again down the road. Yeah. Um, I like how but, that's getting more popular to have the little cups of fruit at gas stations. You know what I mean? Well, it, 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 yeah. It helps, it helps a lot to get some 
grapes and uh my kids love those little like strawberries and stuff like that me too and it's good for you right so uh the um you know it's hard to stay away from a lot of processed sugar which is so bad for you man it's absolutely so bad for you it's better to stick with your natural sugars like what's in your fruits your nectarines your peaches your strawberries your grapes your avocado dude i'm a big avocado fan ryan you could put 30 avocados in front of me and i will straight smack every single one of them oh man <laughs> dude i love avocados dude, what's I the secret behind that stuff like why is it so good for you the uh, guacamole I, or whatever, dude. So it's it's it, an avocado is a super fruit. I'm not sure exactly what's in it, but it's very very healthy for you. Um, a lot of people don't like it, but bro, this is all I do is I'll I'll cut it in half. I'll take the pit out, take a spoon, put it in a thing, squeeze squeeze some fresh lime on it, and just a little bit of salt, maybe a couple of tomatoes and some onions, and dude, I'll just or I'll just take the pit out and just eat it by the spoonful. It's absolutely good. Well, maybe it's the it. secret. I, well, I I eat it. I uh, but I don't eat it like that. Yeah, you should. Man. It's, it's really. <laughs> I will good, give man. it a whirl. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, very good, very good. And I also cut out like a, a bunch of beer. Right, I used to be a fucking heavy beer drinker, so I cut yeah. a lot of the beer out. But I do. Don't get me wrong. I still love my Guinness. It's my favorite beer. Is Guinness. Uh, I do like Mexican beer, but every once in a while I'll have one. I don't feel guilty about it neither. Right. Uh, because I'm not doing it every day and all the time like I was. You know, next thing I know, I was 140 pounds soaking wet. And then I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like almost 260. And I'm like, bitch, I can't even see my toes or nothing. Right. I was like, I can't. <laughs> like I'm done with this. Right. So, yeah, it's uh happens fast, man. You know, dude, it, gets, yeah, it really just does. gets carried away and you get focused on work and whatever. It's, you got to remember to focus on you. Try and focus on you every day. Well, it's like I try um, and look at myself in the mirror every day. You know, give myself you a good look. Listen, give myself you a good should. look. You, dude, you listen. I do this, and I I, I said this a lot. Like, no bullshit, dude. At, before every podcast, I look at myself in the mirror and I have a prank talk. It's my way. Oh, of, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's my way of, dude. My nerves, right? Just the anxiety and all this that comes along with with the podcast. I get so excited to sit down, even though we're friends. Me and you, friends. You know, we've been friends for a while. Let's say we're twenty years down the road. We're friends. I'm still podcasting. I'm gonna get that same anxiety and that same nerves. Just by having you back on again, just because it's, I don't know, it's just something about podcasting, right? In order for me to deal with that, I, I have a conversation in the mirror. I look at myself. I tell myself, you know, you got this. Pin the gas, baby. Ryan Snooks is coming on. We're going to have so much fun. A really good time. Let's go. You know, <laughs> dude, seriously, my wife's like, what the hell are you doing in the bathroom? And I'm in there. I'm talking to myself. I'm, I'm, I'm my own hype man right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, shoot, absolutely. And, you know, I, I li listen. And, also, man, is uh, I've been making it a habit here lately to tell myself that I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of you. Yeah, that's right. right. That's good. Keep it up. It's 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 a good thing to do. Um, and I I I think everybody should do that. Absolutely. Um, well, you're your biggest fan. You know, you should and be. It, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, the way and, the self motivation is something is something real. Uh, it's just like you know being motivated about anything, but motivating motivated for yourself to succeed is is really important i get so distracted uh i'm got a lot going on with our program right now and it's hard for me to be proud of all that because i still see what i want it to be what i want it to be what i want it to be you know and if i looked at myself six seven years ago when we were really just starting the team with our sv650 endurance race and you know um and saw what i have now I would say it's not even possible, 
you know what I mean? And I would, that I would, that there's no way that's ever going to happen that I could ever do it. Um, we have, I have four completely built race bikes, you know, for me, two endurance bikes, a couple of leader bikes that awesome, awesome bikes. And it's like, I used to like not have half of one, you know, I had, I had something that was half and I was like, man. And if I knew that after six years of, you know, continuously doing it and grinding and sticking to the, the dream and the focus that I'd be here, I might even work harder at the beginning, but you know, you can only perspective is everything and you can only do as much as, as much as you can. So, um, it's, it's been an, uh, an awesome, awesome time. And like, I, I'm so excited that it is working, you know, and like believing in myself and believing in the, uh, the future of the sport and my shop and the team and riders and specific, uh, that, um, it's, it's really cool to, to just keep getting to do it. And, uh, really thankful that I get to do it. You know? Yeah, I, listen, absolutely. If, if you'd have told me two years ago, and I've said this many times, I'd be podcasting, I'd be like, bullshit, right? I like listening yeah. to them, but there's no way I'm doing it. And if I do, there's no way people want to listen to me or even go like what I have to say, right? Why would anybody want, want to do that? But, hey, I was the first guest on Pin the Gas podcast, and now look where I am, right? It's uh, I'm interviewing people all over the world, and it's just absolutely, it blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind, and it's an absolute honor. I just... uh. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, there's man. people, you know, there's people that want to be podcasted by you. You know, that's really cool. Yeah. Like they want to be on your show. Yeah, you know what I, I know. mean? I know. <laughs> that's freaking awesome. Uh, yeah, dude. It's an absolute honor. That's what I'm saying, man. Who knows? Dude, you <laughs> never know what the future is going to hold. You just got to stay in between the chapter, stay focused, and keep believing in yourself, right? And and yeah. also with that, it's, 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 I have a good um, support group within my household, my wife and my son and my mom and my dad, they absolutely are proud of me. And they tell me all the time, uh, my boss supports me I'm, and everybody else too. But that little main group of people, my everyday lives, it, it, yeah, it absolutely helps me out a lot. Um, so there's a lot going saying that, you know, good support system. It's just like a rider, right? If let's say Ryan Snooks, you're in world Superbike and you just don't get along with the team behind closed doors. Nobody's going to see that. Right. So you're not, your performance on the track's not going to, be your best, right? Because you get all this pressure and all this blah, 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 versus like Jay Gagne. It's hard to beat Gagne because him and his team are like the best well-oiled machine right now in Moto America, right? They're just, he might not be the fastest every time on track, but he wins most of the time because they just do everything. The communication, the love, the support, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot to be said with that. Yeah. You, you, most of the time too, you see that they're happy in the pit you know a bunch of bunch of guys that are like yeah let's go and uh, you see the excitement uh in the teams that are doing the best you know typically there's there's teams that obviously still perform well that are normally angry or whatever and it's not anybody in particular but the ones that are having a good time typically do the best you know and that's uh (laughs) they for sure Kind of living it up. I like the haircut, man. What you got a good mullet going on? Dude, look at this. Dude, look at that. I yeah, love it's super it. Super long right now. I thought yeah. I was getting cut yesterday, but it didn't uh, it didn't work out. So. <laughs> I love it, man. Dude, I can't <laughs> I can't wait to see you again in Atlanta, dude. We're gonna have so much fun. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, it's gonna um, be good times. I'm actually for the Moto work- America round. Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna be working with Ron Wolf that weekend and in. Oh, Jersey, right on, so, cool. Yeah, but I'm gonna be running around after I'm done with my duties, being my lunatic self, doing live podcasts. I'm gonna grab you and be like, dude, we gotta go do a podcast real quick. Come on, let's go on oh, Facebook cool. Live real quick. Let's do it, Lit yeah, Logan. Yeah. Let's go, baby. Come on, let's do it. Right. <laughs> um. So speaking of that, man, how did you and Logan come together? Oh, it's actually kind of a cool story. Uh, and it'll only take a moment. <laughs> but, <laughs> I love it. It only takes uh, a little bit. Um, I'm a big pusher that we're going to um that the the smaller bikes, uh, you know, obviously the three hundreds and stuff, but um training on a smaller machine is just as efficient as training on a bigger machine. It might take more laps. Um, but you, it's, you know, throttle is a throttle, brakes are brakes, the, the foot brakes typically down on the right, the hand brakes are, you know, ones on the right. Uh, so they're the same thing. Um, so we have like TTR 125s that are set up with dirt tires. We have some that are set up with uh, supermotos and um, very inexpensive bikes that um, are great for training. And there's a, a, a lot over here in the Marine Corps base used just for motorcycle training. So they do like the basic rider course and the advanced rider course up there every week. Um, but on the weekends, we are allowed to use the lot to go do some training. So we, um, this is years ago, probably like five, six years ago, um, me and a couple of the guys, and I think my wife were up there and uh, doing some training. And little Logan shows up. And um, his dad's master gun, master gunnery sergeant in the uh, Marine Corps at the time. So these two show up and they start unloading and like, uh, so what's going on here? You know, and I was like, I don't know, what are you guys doing? Like, ah, my boy's just got a train. He's he's a little getting into road racing. And he was nine at the time. So um, he's 15 now. <laughs> uh, he was nine at the time and riding like a CRF 50 or something like that, like a little tiny bike and um gets out there and starts ripping with us and then his dad got him the oval rather recently around that time i think the 160 or something so then he comes to the track and he's like beating up on us on saturdays and stuff you know we shared numbers and he started coming to the shop and paid me to do a little bit of work uh but the the next year you know whenever they were getting into the mini cup with moto america Mm -hmm. i told them that i'd be there and if they needed any help um to holler at me well that went from you know a little bit of help to uh basically full time in their pit and uh the little avail bikes are are awesome training tools but they're not super reliable um so we've done transmissions and top ends and um with our k-tech suspension program we were able to get the k-tech in this bike and uh so now you fast forward six years um they take me around as their full-time mechanic uh to all the junior cup stuff so it started with uh, us meeting up at the same training grounds um ironically on the marine corps base you know it's probably like the safest area you can go there's no police interaction or anything because it's a motorcycle training lot and um, it was funny that you know we both met up there and maybe once we met up and then it was the second time that we were like all right you do this all the time are you serious about this and uh, obviously we we're both rather serious about it be a hundred degrees and we're out in the parking lot riding in circles doing figure eights and stuff. And they're like, 
All right. Well, we should train together. And Logan's super talented. So anytime he, you know, rides with me, he's always pushing me to to do better, which um, is really cool. And that's kind of where I fell in love with working with the kids because they're uh, some of them got you know a great talent. They just don't know it, or um, some of them are riding above their ability. And you know, it's kind of cool to bring them back and then bring them back forward. Uh, you know, and, and work with them, uh, getting their mental game in place or kind of getting them away from their dad for a little bit and just having fun, you know, and then getting them back to, um, getting them back to the, to the pit and they're a little bit more driven, you know, just taking them out of the pit and they, at least they let me hang out and like ride a scooter around with them or whatever and just goof around, which is really cool. Cause I'm just a big kid anyways. <laughs> I like to go be mi mischievous, you know? Me too. Yeah, absolutely. Sneaking around at night or whatever. Yeah, right? Shh, keep it down. <laughs> They're going to hear yeah. us. Get the bike, get the bike, bro! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, They're always up yeah, to something, dude. It's... uh, Yeah, man, it is. I, I love the up-and-coming kids, man. I love the passion, right? To me, Junior Cup is, like, the best in, in Moto America as far as... uh. When they win, it's so passionate. When they lose, man, they're crying their eyes. It's so much passion <laughs> that goes behind. I mean, seriously, right? That's yeah, it, the passion, and that's what. Uh, well, most of them are friends, you know. Like, I know they uh, are. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they got like this whole friend group. So, like, instilling into a few of them has like really helped. Um, that uh, how do I say it? If one of them succeeds and they're friends, they're like, oh, I can do that, you know, and, and then they want to beat each other. And, and that's like one of Logan's things is none of, he's not a, really a fan of anybody. He's, he's really his biggest, he's his own fan. He thinks that he thinks he's great enough to do it, you know, and it's, it's so awesome that he's like not intimidated by anybody. And he's one of the smallest guys, you know, he's a hundred, hundred pounder, 120 pounder. And, um, but he's, he's the little little beast little dog in him you know and he's like no i'm it's behind the bars like i'm ready to go and uh you know then afterwards they're all scootering around and slapping hands and having fun and that's that's the best thing you know it's like the best class to be able to watch or whatever it it, it is dude it's it's you know I've, I've had a lot of people on the podcast and i asked the question hey, are you friends with anybody in the paddock and a lot of them are like i mean i we're acquaintances, but we don't hang out outside the track because I want to beat everybody, right? And then <laughs> you, you, I mean, that, that, listen, that's just a racer mentality, right? You, yeah, yeah. From from a lot of the true champ, like Matt Maladin, he's one of the perfect examples. He'd come to America from Australia. He's like, I don't want to be your friend. I just want to fucking murder you on the track when these championships and go home. That's it. That's all I want to do, you know? Yeah. Um, which yeah, it's it's great, but I love to see that. You're right. I love to see the camaraderie in in the junior cup class. All the kids laughing, playing around. When it's time to get serious, yeah, they scatter like cockroaches. They go to each everybody's little pit and they throw <laughs> on their leathers and get on the bikes and it's business, right? But as soon as they yeah. come back, they they mingle. Hey man, how did you feel in this turn? Oh man, I'm using this and yeah, I feel this there and you know they they share information. It's great because they feed off each other. Yeah, well, it's back to that thing that I was saying, like. American riders can only get faster, you know, so they, they should be pushing each other and, and, and say like, there shouldn't be any animosity fighting for fifth place because they're setting the lap record in fifth place. You know what I mean? They should be, they should be saying like, well, 
how did you get through there like that? Like I, you, I beat you everywhere, but I can't get through turn five like that. And he says, well, I ride right outside the dot. What dot? And then they're like, oh, and then that kid all of a sudden's a half a second faster the next race. Yeah. You know, he figures out the one corner and, um, then they should work together. Cause I believe we, you know, there's obviously great talent here in America, but, uh, when we go overseas, we struggle, you know, so I'd love to see us go overseas and kick some butt. That's, that's, yeah. and that's all that I mean by that. I want to see us, yeah. you know, parading the American flag around, uh, around all these Everywhere. European racetracks again. Yeah. That'd be me, awesome. Me too, man. Me too. You know, it's just, uh, it, it's different, man. Like, you know, the, the Europeans, their training is different than way we train. They grow up on the stiff chassis motorcycles like GP chassis. So mm -hmm. when they transition to Moto3 or the Meraki or whatever it is that have those stiff chassis, dude, they're absolutely fast, right? And we grow up on production bikes where chassis are soft, right? And they got a lot of flex into them. So you 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 get used to the certain feel, right? So it's predictable. Oh, I know what if the bike's doing this and I'm feeling this way, I know the front's getting ready to go, right? But you take that same riding style and same sensations to a super stiff chassis, it's completely different. Your riding style is not – the bike feels completely different. It's not giving you the same sensations on, on how you're, you normally ride on a production bike, right? It's just – it's a harder transition, um, but man, I would love to see, we need Americans over there. I mean, we got girl yeah, off anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere, dude. We, we need, we need them in BSB. We need them in yeah. ASBK uh, everywhere. Absolutely. The, the TT. Um, yeah, dude, it's, it's, uh, it seems like after Nikki Hayden really come out of here, we really hadn't had a whole lot of Americas go anywhere outside of yeah. America. You know? Yeah. We have Joe Roberts. We got Garrett Gerloff, like I just said. Um, and um, the one that stuck out for me was Brandon uh, Posh, you know, Posh, won the, uh, yep. the Moto3 BSB. And that, that was really cool for an American to win a series overseas. And um, I think uh, I, he's definitely like, he's had a little rough couple of years, but he's, I think he's got the talent to, to do something like that. And um, I watched uh, Tyler Scott, always been a big fan of Tyler Scott as well. Um, yep. He had that finger issue you know, when he did the Red Bull Rookie Cup stuff, um, messing up his finger a couple times in a row, that really kind of was a bummer for him. But obviously, like, these two's talent is premier, you know, and they're they're able to, to get in any class. They're riding up at the front. It'd be it'd be cool to, to see them evolve into, well, obviously where they're at, they're both on the same team now in different category, but they're uh, – picked up by one of the best, you know, one of the best teams there is. So I'm really proud of them for that. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, that was uh, like the last, that was Brandon stuff was like the last big one. I think Gerloff's figuring it out, you know, and uh, he came um, one of the last Moto America races when he was walking around, we got to meet him and his attitude's so good this year. He's, he's relaxed and seems like his head's in the right spot. So I think it's where he'll start. He's got to get a couple of those big finishes, uh, top finishes in a in a row to have that confidence. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now there's I have to finish on the podium now. You know, fifth yeah. isn't okay. Yeah. You know, and it's like uh, Dale Quarterly said that to me. He said you got to finish fifth before you can finish fourth, dude. You know, yeah. I was uh, in the twins class. I was struggling with my finishes, and I I did pretty good. I you know I had uh. Um, multiple 10th place and 8th place finishes 
and I got to sixth and then I was like, Oh man, I want to win. And he's like, you can't win yet. You know, you got to finish fifth. You got to get, you got to get into the top five before you can say you're going to go beat the fastest one. Cause there's a big difference between the winner and fifth place. You know, it's to be a point two of a second every lap, but after 15 laps, it's like five seconds, you know? Yeah. So it's like, that's a big difference. And, uh, he's like, you gotta keep working it up, keep working it up. And, Dale brought in that next part of our training that we implement now. It's it it is that tougher mentality, and that yeah we're gonna you know you might come off the track and we tell you you suck, and it's because you're out there riding like a wussy or whatever, and not a wussy like you're scared, but like right. you're more capable than this, you know. So what are you what are you doing? You're wasting all of our time. Let's let's get this let's get this show on the road. And I would never talk to one of the racers like that, but it's. Um, you know, essentially the, the memo that has to get across, is like, you need to go push, you need, you know, you're not going to get any better at getting, being comfortable out there and, and just being hunky dory riding around. You can go finish fifth to eighth to 10th whenever you want. The only way you're going to win is that bike is going to feel a little unstable. It's going to be bouncing around. You're going to hit the dirt. You're going to, you know, you're going to ride to the edge of the track and it might wheelie in places that you're like bikes don't wheelie here <laughs> you right, know, it might, right. It, you might get a little a little stuck on a front tire going into a corner or something a little but, top rack yeah a little <laughs> a little top oh, rack a little, a little moment there you know right these things might happen but it's like if if i tell you you can do it and give you that confidence i want to see you go do it because you can't you know and it was at that moment that i was like fuck dude i can i can do this you know and uh especially hearing it from the last privateer superbike team racer dale quarter the last privateer superbike rider to win uh the championship 1987. yeah uh, it's very cool and um you know he gave us motivation and and now uh we take that and so yeah we're all about building each other up but at the same time like you know being that big brother and in, in the sport of saying like all right you know we got to try a little bit harder and and that's where the data comes in like you're not even full pinned here dude like we need to be pinned through the kink or or whatever it is and it's, well it's scary <laughs> well you know we got it's sport the sport's scary there's things that are close your eyes and it. just pin the gas yeah, <laughs> yeah make yeah, it work it. yeah it's yeah there is that toughness about it you know it's not it all fun but that's what's important about the kids like it shouldn't be work for them. It should be fun. But at the same time, when we're spending 60 to a hundred thousand dollars a year for them to compete, they need to be putting in the work. And like you said, there's some guys that they treat it like work. They show up, put the helmet on, do their job, come back. Maybe they give a couple people fist bumps and they, they jet out, you know, yeah. and, uh, they are some of the most driven successful ones, but, the ones that are really getting the job done are the ones that kind of have a little enjoyment behind it. I feel like, like Nikki, you know, Nikki was the first American to start winning, doing really well. That was like really happy and really, you know, enjoying the sport and approachable behind the scenes oh, and, sure. you know, just a, a real genuine character in, in all of the realm. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, um, we need we need another racer that's capable of doing that and i think brandon is and and tyler and and i think rocco is he's he's growing up he's uh 
I can't imagine being where, you know, how successful Rocco was at 14, 15 years old, you know, 16 years old. I can't even imagine that amount of stress and pressure and people punching at you when you're double champion and, and winning everything and, and not even just winning. I mean, by like 10, 15 seconds in some of the races, you know what I mean? destroying yeah. the competition yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely he's absolute legend too but but speaking on posture game real quick man going back yeah. to his bsb time uh you know there's been a lot of riders yep there you go bp baby <laughs> uh he uh when he won that championship i was like dude absolute fucking legend dude right but then you see people like Tito Rabat, he went to BSB. He only survived three rounds. He's like, man, fuck this. I'm out, right? Like, how you guys are nuts, you know? So so for an American to go over there and, and win at BSB level is absolutely amazing. You know, yeah. I don't see why. I, I wish he was still over there, to be honest with you. You know, his, his team manager, Shaky Byrne. Um, yeah, yeah, what an awesome dude. Oh man, yeah, shake I met him at Cadwell Park. Absolute legend, dude. Absolutely legend. Jamie Whitman, you know, but we're not here to talk about my trip to BSB. But yes, we need uh yeah, we do uh, 110%. But Ryan, dude, listen, how did you get into motorcycle mechanics? Because I'm a motorcycle mechanic. I went to MMI back in 98, 99. I was there oh, the cool. last, yeah, last time. AMA raced at Phoenix International Raceway. That's when I met the ghost, <laughs> Anthony Gobert, right? Got it. I still got the sign poster hanging on my wall, Ben Bostrom. There, there were yeah. Vincent Hines, body. Eric was on the Honda RC45. Uh, yeah, man, it was uh, absolute. But that's what started. So I grew up actually riding motorcycles, but I was always pretty much mechanically inclined, right? My, one of my buddies yeah. growing up. He had a dirt bike. He was showing me how to clean the carb. And, like, I picked it up like it was nothing. I was like, dude, this is awesome. And, you know, just went to screws, man. Yeah, just a couple <laughs> screws, right? And then, um, you know, he showed me how to change, you know, pistons and rings. And I was, man, I just got into it. And then after high school, I was like, man, I want to go to MMI. But then I got in the industry, and it almost ruined my love for motorcycles, working at a shop doing flat rate work. Um, yeah, for sure. Because it's it's so hard, you know, especially being such a fan of crotch rockets. They're like, oh, you got to go work on this going. Yeah, you know, and then it's like you, you're, okay, it takes six hours to do it. You're 12, 15 hours deep in this <laughs> shit project bike that it takes you 30 hours to take all the goddamn plastics off. And then you finish and you're like, where did this fastener go? And you know exactly where the, you know, right where it went. It was right behind that lower cover or whatever, all the way tucked up in there. And you're like, dude, this gold wing, there's no way I can get this thing out of here without putting this bolt in. I have to take it back apart. Those ones are scary. And, and I, I didn't have a great time working in a dealer. That So um, when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, I found this shop is a week. I got into a motorcycle club when I was riding, um, that CBR run on a street called the Notorious Suspects, and they a uh, bunch of sport bike hooligans, wheelies, stretch bikes, you know the gang. And <laughs> I know the um, gang. You know we all needed our bikes worked on, so uh, uh, the old man of the group um, was definitely smart enough to get us going and helped us out with all the little stuff. But then he's like, "Man, I need a space because we were all going to his house and going to his garage, and he wasn't really that type of guy that was like." Like, he's cool with you coming over, but, like, 15 people in his garage, he's, like, not really cool with that. Yeah. So he was like, man, I need a space. So he rented this little shop just around the building, around the corner from him. And it was right when I was getting out. Um, so I got home for my second appointment, and uh, 
he was like right then was opening up this place and I was, I was getting out of the Marine Corps at the same time. And I, I rushed out as fast as I could and, and went and started like interning with them. And I had uh, enough money saved up when I got out of the Marine Corps that I was able to like coast for a couple of months. Um, and then I ran out and I didn't know what to do. And so I was working with them for like, you know, six months or so. And, uh, and I was, I was like, well, I don't know what to do, but I used my, got my brain together and, and used the GI bill and went to MMI in Phoenix. So, uh, Me too. um, it was, uh, the best decision I made to get out of the normal for a little while and go to school. And I did terrible in high school. So I was like really worried about going to school. And, um, but when it was about motorcycles and it was figuring out all these problems I had in my life, you know, like, cause I, I we grew up not super, you know, we didn't have any money growing up and I didn't have any money as a junior Marine. So I fixed everything myself, you know, oil change or tires leaking or chains messed up or whatever. I just figure it out a YouTube bit or whatever. And uh, when I was at school, you know, you're sitting in class and you're like, oh, I remember that problem. And there's so many instances, especially doing the interning for six months with Vic, um, that I was like, this solved that problem. Oh, this solved that problem. And I don't know why my brain worked like that. But it became very interesting to me, especially the electrical stuff. So I was able to really excel in that. Um, once I graduated school, Vic offered me a job back here you know, in North Carolina at his shop. It was called Lean Angle Performance. And um, it's basically all sport bike stuff. I, uh, he, they, we were here for six months. His wife was Navy and she got orders to Texas with like some follow on California orders or something. And they weren't going to be sticking around. So he sold me enough tool uh, to get the shop going. And I basically just kicked it off after, you know, six months out of school. I didn't know nothing. And I mean, I still, you know, in the realm of what's capable of being known, I don't know nothing still. Right. Um, Me too. I, I could change a chain. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I put a new chain. Yeah. I'm good with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't feel like uh, very confident, but uh, me and a couple of buddies, we, we stuck together out through it and, um, uh, it, I wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't turn back. It was all just kind of going with the flow and feeling out the, uh, the situation of everything that made it even possible. Um, and luck, I mean, having a great family when my godmother helped co-sign on the initial $20,000 loan or whatever to buy all the tooling and stuff. And, uh, cause I wasn't really in any shape. I'd moved across the country twice now at this point, Phoenix to North Carolina. I was flat broke, didn't have much to me, but I knew how to change tires, holes and brakes, you know, and I knew that if I could do just that, I would make enough money to survive. And eventually now, you know, with, so may will be seven years that we've been here, same building. Um, we've, we've had a ton of, ton of success on the racetrack. And like I said, we do it all now. So we do our own engines. Um, I've gone through the K-Tech school, uh, twice. Um, so we were, we're fluent on all of their suspension. We have all of their tooling here, their, uh, shock pump, their, uh, you know, shock extension tools, spring removal tools, everything to do the Olin's, uh, equipment as well. So, um, that part has blown up. Now we have people shipping us suspension. We have, you know, engine parts coming in the mail for us to, to refit or 
to fix up or, or, you know, make racy or whatever. And then we're selling a ton of stuff online where uh, we've expanded to, uh, we have an entire apparel line on our website. It's not super popular yet, but, um, it's just motorcycle apparel and it's all geared towards road race. So it's pictures of, you know, it's a road race wheelie. It's, um, dragon knee, it's uh, riding in the rain, it's all sorts of stuff. You can search what bike you have, Yamaha R1 or whatever, and it'll show you all the riders riding an R1. Um, so it's, uh, that, that's cool. And I, I think it'll take off one day, at least for the track community. Um, maybe not something that'll make money, but it'll, you know, I just want to get everyone to have, uh, to motorcycle apparel, you know, we, we have, like, you have the Alpine star shirt, you know, it's like you, you order a suit, you get the t-shirt or whatever. And it's like, well, that's, um, kind of it. That's like all that there is in motorcycling. So like we started this apparel stuff to like, you ever told someone that you race motorcycles and they're like, Oh, what kind of dirt bike do you have? And you're like, ah, oh, no, it's not like that. You know? It's, and then you tell them like road race, like, yeah, we do left and rights and, yeah. Uh, we wear the leathers and drag knees and and they're still just so confused. But if you have, you know, a picture of a road racer or something like that, it's uh, it's much easier to explain. So that's kind of like the idea behind the apparel and stuff. So the shop, the apparel, and then we've opened up this other store now that's just used motorcycles, retail apparel and gear. Um, that grand opening was yesterday. So it's uh, just kicking that off. So we have two locations here in town and we are hiring if anyone is uh, interested in the motorcycle market trying to get a uh, the possibilities are endless with this you know with these positions because of how involved we are you know we have a hundred different companies that we deal with and um we race moto america we race endurance we race all these different categories we're we need people that are interested in doing that kind of stuff as well whether they're racing or they're helping the team or whatever i mean like this weekend uh going to the daytona 200 um it's all hands we're basically closing both stores we're gonna have one store open but um, we're basically have to close you know because we're taking everybody and uh everybody's got to come work because <laughs> no, it's such a big event you know we have uh, 10 people on the team um, which is incredible to have that many people one go to daytona but two um that's how big this team has become in just a few years where it's we got a guy coming from Kentucky, from Michigan, from New York, from you know a couple guys in Florida. There's one coming from Georgia, and like we're all going to meet up and do this program. And um, it's really cool that like the shops provided that for us. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, absolutely, it is. It, dude, Billy Pedro is in the house. What is up, Billy? Hey. He, says, he says the teamwork shirt is pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> see, yeah, we got the. Uh, the teamwork makes the dream work is one of the shirts on the uh, website. And it's got the three of us from our last endurance race, actually at Daytona when we, uh, we won the race with Dustin Apgar. It yeah. was very cool. Oh yeah. That's absolute. Dustin's an absolute legend too. Mm -hmm. Absolute legend, man. Yeah. I met him. So I met him when I was out in Phoenix, um, him and Sean and Varsky were kind of hitting it off at the same time. And James Romero was racing out in CVMA mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah meeting dustin was was a huge eye-opener to like what's possible out of such a small space he just had a little 2000 square foot shop but it was um maybe a little bit bigger than that maybe a little bit smaller right around there but he was getting so much done out of there he was the pirelli tire distributor so he had a thousand pirellis in there he had 
newest R1, R6 race bikes he had. And I was like, how did you do all this? And he was like, well, I went to MMI and I'm still doing it. And I was like, I don't know how to do this, but he was so, excuse my language, but he was fucking hardcore. Oh, you yeah. know what that's, I mean? He was a, a hardcore. You cuss? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he was a hardcore dude. And like, so I was like, all right. And I took that, like that, that hardcore drive. And especially with the road race stuff, like I said, you, you know, there isn't really any slack on a track. You gotta, it's all in or not or nothing, especially with the pro stuff. You, you really have to you really got to be focused and put it all in, put your, stuff on the table and work it out yep, he was absolutely. a great great example of that just work hard and and then play hard you know play hard work hard absolutely <laughs> i dude listen i miss phoenix i had the best time in phoenix arizona oh cool i, I loved it, was it. we, we climbed all the mountains around it and, and camelback and all that yeah 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 yeah, yep. yeah so yeah, it was great, man. It was a great time. Uh, completely different than North Carolina or Virginia, right? Uh, yeah. I remember, dude, I remember the first couple days I was, well, it happened a lot, but I remember going through a drive through I was like, what the fuck is Carl's Jr., right? I'm going to go I'm gonna go see what Carl's Jr. is. And I pull up there, and I, I make my order, and all I hear is this laughter. And I was like, what's going on here? And I pull up, and these girls are like, where are you from? I said, I'm from Roanoke, Virginia. And they're like, we ain't never heard an accident like that before, right? And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I had a really good time with my accent out there. I'll tell you that. It's, uh, I had a lot of fun, but Phoenix was really cool, man. I learned a lot. Uh, the people, it's just different, man. There's so much going on in Phoenix, you know? Yeah. Um, but That's yeah, a city was, that never sleeps. It don't. It absolutely. That's a don't. real city that doesn't sleep, man. There's, I've been to New York at 3 a.m. in the morning. It is not like Phoenix. Phoenix at 3 a.m. in the morning is popping. There's people everywhere. Just Straight popping. <laughs> Crackheads running around everywhere. Crackheads like a motherfucker <laughs> running around. You're like, God damn. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Man, they had really good food, though. Uh, I, I did enjoy all the food out there. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I can uh, miss me some in and out, man. Damn, kind of right. having withdrawals lately. I know, I know. Go I know, for that. Well, that's all right because I'll be in Texas in April for the MotoGP race. So I'll get my little in and out fix. Oh my, man, my that's my nice. once a year uh, in and out fast food. So we were talking about it. We have a racer. Uh, well, I'll just throw the beans. Little Logan, potentially, if he isn't slacking this year and is doing good on the Aprilia, we're going to go to Coda for the maybe the twins cup race if he if he's doing good and and he kicked my butt at jennings i'll be honest so i mean if he's still you know if he's beating me still all year on the aprilia we'll, we'll sign him up for one of the big races here at the end of the year and at least get him out there though i think the coda one just lines up with like timeline or something like that that's why his dad was talking about it but it uh i can't wait for him to get out there on a big class we're really hoping that um this year with the junior cup stuff it all works out we got brand new engines for the bikes i mean new bikes really for his program so i'm really rooting for him this year like i yeah. said he's got a if he's listening he's got to work hard i know you know like i told him i used max fan as an example last year i said you look at that kid he's an adult you know he's a he's he's a big boy that he's going to be beating you up on the racetrack uh, that's somebody that you know it, like look at somebody like that every weekend and say I'm gonna show up and beat that guy. You know what yeah. I mean? Or pick yeah. pick somebody that's a winner and say I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna beat that guy. You Consistently, know? 
Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then show up and do your work. And Well, um, my advice for Logan, if you listen to this, dude, Max does like 750 push-ups a day. So, <laughs> hey, you better get on it, buddy. That's all I'm saying. You better. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. you better start now. Yes. Uh, yeah, dude, listen, yeah. I'm proud. It was, it was an absolute honor to meet him. And his dad, I met his dad there in Jersey too as well. Yeah, um, another hardworking yeah. candidate. They Absolutely. do it all on their own, you know. I I pop in every couple of weeks and and do something, but they got now they got their own tire changer machine. We got the Rabaconda. Shout out to them for hooking oh, us up nice. with that machine. Nice. But we just got the yeah, it's really cool. It um, no air pressure or nothing. You just do it all with some hand tools, and it's very easy to use if you know how to use a tire machine at all. Uh, it took us 30 seconds to figure it out, but we, um, yeah, we got, so we got, you know, we do our own tires, we do our own balancing. We, uh, I do all the suspension. They're capable of doing the basic, you know, oh, need to change a chain there. clutch, yeah, yeah, yeah. need to change yeah. a tire or whatever. They can do that. So, um, yeah, they're, they're hardcore on, as far as doing it all on their own. <laughs> and then they stay in that RV 24 seven. I mean, they, they live in, you know, they live in their rig. Just why it's so big, but I mean, like, if you could imagine packing up all your shit and putting it into a garage and toting it around with you, how much stuff you would have, you know? It'd be a lot. Well, it'd be like us going on vacation with our wives, right? We got a backpack and maybe a little carry-on bag, and they got 14 suitcases and all that. You're like, what? wait, we're only gone for like seven days. We're not moving in. (laughs) Suitcase per baby. I got three kids, man. I got three suitcases. And then she'll always have two, you know, one's just makeup and then the other one. (laughs) (laughs) The other one's got all my combs and my blow dryers and all that. And the other one's got, yeah, trust me. No, she wouldn't. No, that that is hers. Never. (laughs) Never. They would never do that. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just like us when I come home, she's like, how many freaking helmets do you need? You only got one head. And I'm like, well, how many purses do you need? You only got, you know, so much you can carry this in a purse. This argument is over. Straight. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? I love you, babe. I accept you for you. You accept me for me. And, hey, I can change. You change your purse every day of the week. I can change my helmet every day of the week. Yeah, that's right. No bit. Look, Amy Jo says, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, hilarious. It's good stuff. <laughs> Hi, Amy. It's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, dude, there's, listen. Junior Cup class to me last year was an absolute banker. Of a, it was the best series yeah. in Moto America to me. I'm really looking there were forward. seven to ten riders every race that was you know, potentially race. could win. Yes, yes. And big Sam shout out to Eli Block, dude, uh, pulling up the double win in the big rain. Sh- that was, yep. uh, that was my huge. man right here with the leather yeah, suit hanging up go. in the background. That's it. Big shout out to Eli. Eli actually he coached with me sometimes. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, which is cool, man. It's Super cool to have personality. Oh, dude, he's his dad too, man. Absolutely. Yep. As soon as me and his dad met, we were just like magnets. Bam. It was uh, <laughs> yeah, absolute. Uh yeah, it's uh but I can't wait. 2024 Moto America in general is is everything. Amy Joe says it's another bag of everything you forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's why my my backpack's so small because I forget so much. <laughs> yeah, right. That facts. Um but yeah, man, it's dude. Twenty twenty four Moto America is just absolutely the rider lineup from the Superbike all the way down to Junior Cups. Just yeah, it's, I, I think it's one of our best stack classes in twenty twenty four we've seen in a long time. Yeah, well, let's talk about uh, we got the one maybe one last thing we got um 
the bagger situation. That's what I call it. The situ- uh, we started that when we were with BartCon. It's because you know, the baggers kind of disrupted everything in 21. But mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that MotoGP inviting them out is kind of like a test fire at this world organization picking up baggers? Or how big do you think this is going to go? I, man, me personally, you know, I got I got a lot of friends in BSB too as well, and I've heard that they plan on getting the baggers over there too, right? And with them saying that, and then turn around and watching MotoGP come out saying just the baggers is going to come makes me think, yeah, something's it's definitely a test run for sure. A- absolutely, hundred and ten percent. Right now, we now, won't gonna... bring you to our country, but you can try it in your country. And if you ruin the racetrack, you ruin the racetrack. It's not right. At problem. least it's not over here. We ain't got to repave it. Right. That's your guys' problem. And we know not to come back next year. Right after that, yeah, we're good. Oh fuck, man. A lot's resting on these. Uh, bagger situation so it, it is. No, i hope it works out i mean it's really cool it's you know i uh harley obviously being an american manufacturer and kind of like being the backbone of the organization is is cool and to see our our fan base i think it was they said 70 percent more viewers last year uh moto america sent out the it was like yeah. an insane amount more people 70 percent more people watched last year um, compared to the year before, and they've had over fifty percent growth every year since starting. I know that that a big a big part of that is a testament to the bagger stuff. You know what I mean? percent, dude. It is. You know because you Chris Tolick is in the but... house. Oh, what yeah. is up, Chris? Most popular guy in the paddock, isn't he? Dude, Chris Tolick is he knows my everybody. dude. Dude, he's a legend, absolute TOBC. Back in the house in Daytona, it's yeah, dude. Yeah. But yes, back on the baggers real quick. He listen to me. Okay, me and you growing up riding on the street, you know, you see a Harley, they're just like, eh, crotch rockets again, right? You guys give motorcycles a bad name, which I can kind of agree to that with us out there riding wheelies, doing 190 miles an hour <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, of course, right? Um, but to me, when the bagger series came, it just brought a whole nother people that's never been in the road race. So they show up, they're big Harley or Indian fans. And they're not, they might not be a crotch rocket fan at the time, but then they, they meet the riders and they meet the racers and they see the crock, you know, the, 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 the sports bikes on the track. And they're like, dude, this is absolutely amazing. Right. So now we got all these older generations of people coming into the sport mm-hmm. that might not have ever watched road racing. Cause they probably don't give a shit. They go to bike week just to hang out with their buddies and drink beer or whatever. Right. Um, but they brought so many more people to the paddock from everywhere in the whole United States. And I think that's a big reason that it's also helped it grow. I think that it helped Moto America in a huge way. I think we are to where we are because of the bagger class for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. So yeah, it, it's, well, it's like, go ahead, Ryan. Well, hopefully it, it, like you said, if it gets, different diverse families into the into the event to get more kids into it and they'll be more apt to say yeah you can get that little dirt bike you can get that little whatever because you know like maybe they'll just think well, you never know what's going to happen now you know baggers are baggers are flying around daytona so i mean <laughs> you never know you never know what's going to happen next so i mean we really if a kid's interested in it i mean just let them do it you know and i hope that that's what this if anything that's what this series brings to to uh the public is that it's now, possible absolutely so my motto is to uh well when we was at vr please bring vr back but from my understanding the owner of vr don't like motorcycles 
I, that that's yeah. what I hear. That's the issue, but you know, it's it's again. I heard she's a really it's a lady. I heard she's really nice though, and yeah, me if she too. ever wants to talk about bringing motorcycles back, I'd love to to explain why it's so important to us Dude, here. I would East love Coast. to get on the podcast. I would love to get to interview. Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, how cool that would be, right? Yeah. Absolutely, that would be. Just cool, want to know why. We just want to yeah, know why. What did I do? I'm sorry. I won't ride yeah, on the grass anymore. Yes, I'm sorry. I'll mow it. We'll show up and mow the lawn. It's not a problem. I got whatever, you, right? Whatever you want, Miss. <laughs> yeah, right, whatever you want. I got you. But so the beggar class is is like something I, I well I still do right. So uh, when I go well when I went to VIR when it was there it was cheap for me to go. But I would always bring somebody that's never been. Hey man, you ever been a real motorcycle race? Nope, never seen on TV. Well, guess what? What you doing this week? I ain't doing none. Bring your kids too. I'll pay for y'all's ticket. No problem, right? Let's just go. And I introduce new people to the sport. I bring yeah. them out there to VR. I let them see it, right? And then there's been a couple times where, yeah, they'll turn around and buy their little kids a dirt bike because they're like, their kids are like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever, right? And their parents are like, yeah, this is cool, you know? And yeah, it's just a way for me to help the sport grow and, and as much as I could at the time, anyway. Um, but yeah, you're right, man. It, it is. Chris Chris Tullock says Snooks for the W next Saturday. Absolutely, yeah. brother. Let's yes. Go. Let's go. And then he says, I'm not in the paddock anymore. Oh. Boo. Wish he was. Yeah, you're always in the paddock, Chris. We talking he can about you. Still such... come and hang out at least for yes. a day. Yes. Dude, you know enough people. You could just talk all day to each people. Bro. <laughs> He's there. You won't have to work. Anyway. Yeah, you won't have to work. So you can you can talk. Right. Yeah. You can actually spend some time with people. The first time I met Tulloch was, uh, with, uh, I was, we was in Texas and I met him and, um, uh, uh freaking brain Diane. I was going to say, I just had a major brain fall. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, absolutely awesome. And I, I met his son too. His son was there. So it was, it was good times, but Joe, what is up, Joe? He says, Chris, another great dude on your show. What up, Ryan? Good luck next What's up, week. Joe? Yeah, I love racing. Uh, we raced with Joe a bit in the twin the twin series. Really cool guy uh, before and after the race. That was uh, really important to me. I, I think that was the most fun about the Twins Cup is so many of the guys were really cool before and after the race. There's a, a bunch of tough heads like Chris Parrish. You know, he's only cool after the he's only cool after the race. You know what I'm saying? He's not cool before the race, but like obviously, you know, he peeped in on the show. He's he's a super cool super cool cat and like. Uh, uh, it's great to learn from someone like him with so much knowledge, you know, in that in that series. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, dude, I've, I've, I, I'm trying to get Chris on this podcast. Chris, hello. <laughs> yeah, get in here, man. Yeah, we, we need to get y'all. We'll have a really good time, I promise. But, um, <laughs> yeah, man, dude, listen, dude, we're an hour and 30 into this, and it seems like we've only been talking for like 15 minutes. That's what I love about yeah. podcasts. It just goes by so fast. But we will have a part two of this, so everybody stay tuned. Um I'm actually going to cut this here here in a few because I got, man, I got a lot of stuff I got to go do. 30, man. Yeah, dude, I got to go finish cooking dinner. I got to go down to my buddy's house. and have, Cora in the house. What is up, Cora? What yeah. up, Cora? Cora's awesome. <laughs> big supporter of Cora's for sure. Uh, you guys need to go follow her on Instagram and all that good stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. A right now. Like a legend of uh, what can be done. Listen, dude, she is an absolute legend absolute legend she says she's driving <laughs> well thank you for listening Corey. you you're a legend as you already heard but yeah ryan listen 
I want to do my personal questions before we in this podcast, as I do with everybody. Well, I just started doing it not too long ago, but yes, Billy Pedro, dude, we need to, uh, you need to, that'd be a good interview too, man. Listen, it's in the works. Me, me, me and him's already did a a video chat. We just need to, Billy, when I get off of here, as I finish cooking, I'm going to give you a ring. If that's okay, give me a thumbs up because I'll call you as soon as I get done. But, um, he says, good luck, Ryan at Daytona. But Ryan, listen, um, dude, you're going to murder it. Absolutely. Dude, 2023 was a absolute mega year for you and Lit Logan. I'm proud of what you guys achieved. I'm proud of you as not only a friend, but as a person and what you've achieved uh, since you. getting out of the military with the whole motorcycle thing, the racing, the workshop, the everybody you met. It, it's, it's, a, it's an absolute honor, and I told you this before. But I want to get into these questions. So, uh, I don't have any particular order that, that I ask them in. So I'm just going to go, uh, Star Wars or Star Trek. Never seen either. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, books. I'm a big audio book, uh, listener, not so much a reader, right? Um, I just got done with Matthew McConaughey Greenlight, which was a fucking awesome book. Um, I and I just a very interesting character. Oh, dude, it's it, dude. The book, it's it's one of those books. You're like, okay, just one more chapter, just one more chapter, just one more chapter, right? Right. Um, right. And then the one I just got done listening to the other day is uh, Guthensteiner, the one, the the Haas F1, uh, the guy that ran Haas, but now he's not with Haas. Oh yeah, no more. yeah, yeah. His was pretty cool, man. But the thing that I really didn't like about the book, it, it the story's good, but it's like, it's like uh, Monday, January 9th. 12 15 p.m. Abby Dobby, blah 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 blah. Good night, Saturday, blah blah blah. I'm like, this is like it, that's how the whole book is, right? There's no like laughter, no emotion almost to it, right? So it's kind of the story's good, but it's bland. Um, but you, right? Enough about me with the books. Do you listen to audiobooks or read? Um, not so much. Uh, I, I read a good bit of like the Jack Ryan books. Um, mm-hmm. There were like some military style books back in the day, but the, uh, the last book I bought was John Hopkins book. And I only Dude. read the, uh, the leathered yeah. uh, leathered. And um, I wrote the, the book I read before that was the soft sciences of road racing a motorcycle with the yep. um, heat code. Uh, yep. I was pretty into those books. The, twist of the wrist in that book at the beginning of racing to understand the the mindset of racing has a great chapter in there but no man i don't have any extra time right now any extra moment i have is uh spent doing something motorcycle related dude listen i i I feel you for the kids yeah dude i'm i don't give them enough attention honestly that my luckily my, my boys are riding so like if i'm around they want to ride something you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. I uh I got a good juggling act with podcasting and working full time and being a husband and a dad. Uh I find that when I come home, I used to not be this way because I was so excited. I still am, but uh when I come home, I pretty much cut it all off, right? Like if I get a text, I'll text back. But I usually don't get on the phone and have conversations when I'm at home after work because I focus on them. Um yeah, it's hard. But, it, dude, it is. It's such a full-time job doing this. People don't realize what it takes to do this. I mean, it's it's absolutely a lot of work, a lot of hours, a lot of reaching out, a lot of phone calls, a lot of setting up, a lot of video chats, a lot of 
scheduling and rescheduling and I'm going to be late and all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, but listen, at the end of the day, it's worth it. But, dude, going back to John Hopkins Leather, bro, I've listened to – I've read Michael Dunlop's, Ian Hutchison. Dude, anybody, any motorcycle racers that's got a book out, I have absolutely either read it or listened to it. Hands down, John Hopkins – is the best book. I'm not taking nothing away from any other books because they're they are just as good. But what I loved about Hopper more than any of them, dude, he was honest. He's like, bro, I was smoking weed in the bathroom and then going riding the Moto GP bike, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, right. you don't hear none of those other guys. They might have been doing it. I don't know, right? But if they did, they're not going to say it. And that's what I loved about Hopper's book. It was, yeah. I'm, hey, I'm all in. Like Nikki Hayden said, I'm all in. Just I have nothing to hide. I got a pill yeah. addiction. I was an alcoholic. I smoked weed before I got on the OG, but I did this, right? And you're just thinking to yourself, you're in the book. Again, it's another book that you're just like, one more chapter, one more chapter, one more chapter. Um, right. As far as your military, I'll tell you another really good book that I love is David Goggins. He's got two books oh, yeah. out. Dude, absolute legend, legend bro. Absolute <laughs> legend. Uh, yes, yes. So going with that music, right? I listen to all type of music. Dude, I could listen to Morgan Wallen. Frank Sinatra, Young Dolph, Bob Marley, Janis Joplin. Dude, you, <laughs> seriously, I'm all over the place, bro, when it comes to music. So what kind of music do you listen to? Uh, well, I don't have like um, I don't have like a particular I pick every day. We list, I've been getting more into like the country stuff down here, living in North Carolina for 10 years or whatever. But um, if I'm going to like prep like for a race or something, I kind of listen to those smaller hardcore bands. I had a... Uh, in high school, it kind of was like the thing, and um, it, it's just stuck with me. Uh, Killswitch Engage was one of my favorite bands back in the day, and I can put that album on, End of the Heartache album on, any any day of the week, and, and you know, just crush it and jam out, whatever. Um, a lot of, a lot of like, those instrumental style musics, uh, this other band's called Stone Jesus, and uh, they're just boom, 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 you know, like... Uh, guitars and something to we call it chopper building music we put, put that stuff on and crank out a crank a bike out or whatever so i'm definitely more like the rock and roll type um i grew up in detroit though so eminem was you know i was gonna say eight the mile, most, baby. The, yeah the most yeah. popular uh of my life for sure and um anytime that comes on i can jam out to that too so too. <laughs> rather Absolutely. open but uh, I think you asked me about my movie at one point. My favorite movie is Happy Gilmore. Oh, I think I've seen it like four million times and, uh, <laughs> you know, on repeat. But it's, uh, it's definitely one of my classic favorites when I was a kid. I haven't, I don't, we don't watch too much anymore, but the most recent one I watched was that uh, Super Mario Bros. movie. We actually went and saw it in 3D, which was pretty cool with the kids and they, they loved it. Now they watch oh, yeah. it like every week on Netflix. I'm, I'm I'm big on to the whole uh, Disney Plus and you know all the all the Pixar movies, dude. I'm yeah, I'm still a little kid. I'm young in my mind, dude. Still, I love all that shit, dude. My right. so my favorite movie is uh, Top Gun because that's what my dad. Oh did. yeah, classic. Yeah, so that was that's I've seen that movie like fifty billion times, line for line. <laughs> yeah, it's it's absolutely. Um, Chris Parrish, my man, he says, I'll send you a shirt and contact soon for a reservation. Almost done building my bike to display, but the full Moto2 scheme I have in mind won't be done for a while. Absolutely looking forward to it, mate. Absolutely. Very Thank cool. You. 
Very, very cool. And I'll rep your shirt on the podcast for sure. Like I do with all my friends' shirts. You'll see me wear Brendan Kelstein. I might have Levi Baddies on. I might have, you know, uh, Ryan Wolf's on. Uh, It's just another way for me saying thank you for coming on the show and also supporting you guys too as much as I can, right? It's good advertisement um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Now you're very I got welcome. you on it. You're going to be at Daytona, you said? No, I'm not going to be at Daytona. Atlanta. Listen, Atlanta. I'll be there in Atlanta for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. We'll so, try yeah. to make sure we have one for you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I'll definitely rock it. Um, So food. What kind of food are you into, Ryan? Well, besides uh, saving chef calories eats. and eating my chef eats meals every day, uh, I'm definitely a chicken kind of guy. Anything chicken will go. Um, but I... Like I love a good steak. I I love a home cooked meal, but like I said, we're on the road so much. It's like kind of whatever, you know, whatever flies. But I am I'm uh, I'll call it carb conscious. That doesn't mean that I like you know <laughs> I'm conscious of what I eat. It doesn't mean I regulate what I eat. You know, right? What I'm right. I do. Beer, I do. beer and chicken wings is like the been the racer diet for like six years now. It's been working, so I don't know why it works, but it works. You can't go wrong with bear and chicken wings, right? But me, I like I, I like hot and spicy food, right? So yeah, yeah. Thai food, Greek food. Oh man, well, Greek's not spicy, but I like I like the the, the, the spice. best Thai food I've ever had is here. It's uh, uh, I don't even remember what it's called. The old the old Siam. Oh, okay. Pad Thai, so good. Oh, Pad Thai. Oh, dude. So when I come down and see you and and, and stay the weekend with you and in the shop, oh, we do live podcast. Absolutely, yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Joe says uh, he just watched the new Dune. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I heard it was really good. I have to, I have to check it out. I just got done watching um, uh, Masters Dune? of the Air. Yeah, Dune. Dune. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Masters of the Air on. Apple TV is absolutely fucking amazing. It's a great show. That and Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is the shit too. So you guys should check that out. Um, celebrity crush, Ron. Who's your celebrity crush? Hmm, that's a good one. I don't know. Uh, there's so many. This, where should I start? Funny. Instagram models, OnlyFans models. Where, where, where should we start? <laughs> it's funny, dude. The first person that I thought of, like, I guess the last person that I was a fan of, and like, I'm still a fan, but like, I, I say hi to him every now and then, is Roger Hayden. Actually, I always wanted to like to like get to know Rog because like he didn't have growing up, he didn't have that Nikki Hayden personality where he like, you know, was out. He kind of he's the worker. You know what I mean? Yeah. He'd come do the work at the track and then he'd go do his thing. And uh, so now I've met Raj and like uh, he does the commentating and stuff and like watching his career develop, you know, the way that it has. And like I'm um, still a big still a big fan of him and and uh, everything that that family has has done and accomplished. And um, that that's the first person I thought of, honestly. You know what I'm no, saying? Yeah. No, so like uh, but uh, like. You know, I just I don't watch enough of the movies or TV stuff right now um, <laughs> to to yeah, tell you to tell you yeah. which one, you know. Hey, I I got a celebrity crush on Roger, a, too. So, yeah, I'm absolutely. a motorcycle. Yeah. Big motorcycle racer fan. So, like yeah. all these guys that that are, that are successful, I'm still a fan, you know, even though yeah. I'm a friend of some of them now, like Brandon and stuff like we've yeah. become friends. But I'm still rooting for him. 
You know oh, what I mean? Me too. Yeah, it's it's like Ron. I get asked the question all the time: Who's my favorite? Especially the Junior Cup kids. They're like, "Who's your favorite Junior Cup racer?" Right? And I'm like, "Yeah." Jules come out and said, "Who's hit?" Jules said, "Levy was his favorite." Right? And and I'm just like. I'm friends with all of them, so you're all my favorite. Absolutely, every single one of you. Only one can yes. win, and one could be first, second, and third. But even if you're in fifteenth, I'm still going to cheer for you, as if you got first place, right? That's just that's what friends do. You have that support system. So that's my answer. Is I'm I, everybody. I'm a fan of. I mean, just look at my room, right? I mean, it's I, I'm I started to putting posters on my ceilings because I ran out of room <laughs> on my wall, right? So and you see my other living room. It's yeah, I got. I'm lucky my wife allows me to have two rooms full of motorcycle shit. So, yeah, right. <laughs> if that don't tell you anything, it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, PlayStation or Xbox? Oh, uh, PlayStation. You ever play SOCOM? Uh, Back in I, the day? It was one of those shooter games. We yeah. used to it's addicted to it. Pizza, sit there and eat a bag of pizza rolls and play some SOCOM back in the day. Fat, yeah, I, fat and happy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Call of Duty. I'm, I, I play like Ride Five, Ride Four right now. FIFA. Yeah. I'm a big soccer nerd, so I like FIFA. I like uh, what else am I playing? Assassin's Creed because I'm a big Assassin's Creed nerd right. too. Um, games. I'm like trying that. not to. I'm trying not to get my boys addicted to games. They already beg for the phones enough. They're uh, yeah. born six, and then yeah. we have a newborn, and uh, but so I got them a Nintendo Switch this year. So we play Mario Kart. I only got them in the Mario games. We got Mario Kart and Super Smash Bros. Yeah. So they can beat the crap out of each other on the game and, and then race each other on the game, you know. That's <laughs> no, we'll, that's, we'll leave yeah. it at that. Hopefully I, uh, they they don't do wanna you know, I don't mind like the video game stuff, but I don't want them to, to only do games. You know, I love yeah. them to be out in the uh, yeah, out in I, the wild. My son's got an Oculus and when I got my PS5, I gave my PS4, but he plays my PS5 more than he does his PS4. And he's <laughs> always playing Fortnite with his buddies. Or he'll be on the Oculus. But yeah, I'll get I will go outside and shoot basketball, kick the soccer ball around, or yeah. get in the car and just go do something, right? You're right. It's it's not good to sit in front of the TV all the time. And I, I listen, I it's hard for just me trying. to well it, it's, it's, hard it's for, their generation, you know. I it mean. is. But it's I also did it hard so much, me, and it wasn't too. even wasn't even really a thing. But like, no, I was addicted. Well, for me, you know, because I podcast, I'm constantly on social. Like, I'm a slave to social media. I mean, let's just be honest, right? That's it. When you're in even motorcycle races to these days, it's like you yeah. have to have that, right? So you're 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 constantly on it. So it's hard for me to tell Rossi, hey, you can only do this, and he's like, but Dad, you're you do this and you're this and you're always doing this and doing this. So it's kind of like, a, it's a double edged sword. Right. So yeah, for sure. Th that's why I make it a point and be like, okay, I'll put my phone down you put your shit down. We're going to go get in the car and go to the Creek and swim in the Creek or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, and that's what we do, man. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what advice would you give your younger self? <sighs> Two things, I guess. I wish someone would have told me it earlier in life, but breathe. You know what I mean? That simple word will save you out of a lot of trouble, a lot of situations. Just take a breath, close your eyes and breathe for two fucking seconds. You know, that'll, that'll check you, uh, <laughs> that'll check you out of a lot of trouble. And then, um, um, just wait, you know, of patience. If I could, uh, a little bit more patience in a lot of situations, I wouldn't have rushed so many things and, and, uh, you know, if you, if you, 
allow yourself to have patience, you can see the signs. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like you have to, yeah. if you, if you rush it, you don't really, you don't see everything and you, you, if, <clears throat> you just have to wait. And that's, that's in true in writing. That's true in business. That's true in um, any of your, you know, bigger life decisions. Just breathe, think about it the second time and, and then evaluate it. And, you know, sometimes that takes a day or a month or a year. And it, it does, that doesn't matter, you know, like you have, you have the time in reality, you know what I mean? Like you have a little bit of time to just breathe and think about the situation and the overall picture. And so that's, that's really uh, like if it's advice or like what I needed to hear when I was younger and I heard it, you know, finally recently and that uh, the patience thing um, is constant, you know, constantly being reminded of that stuff. It's uh, no different than like you buy that expensive game or whatever, and the next week it's on sale. It's like, oh, you should have just should have just waited, you know, because you you end up rushing, you buy it, and then you're like, oh shit, I have to do this for the next four days, and then you didn't even play it or whatever, and then it's on sale, and you're like, bugger, like, come on, I I could have saved the fifty bucks anyways, I didn't even get to enjoy it or whatever, whatever yeah. it is. That's just an example, but um, in writing, you know, being patient allows you to um, think while you're on the brakes and then get on the gas at the correct moment. You know, it's not, there is the, the person who's first to the gas typically is first one to full throttle, but the, the person who opens the gas at the correct time can get to full throttle sooner too. You know what I'm saying? That you can open the exactly. gas too soon. You can open the gas too soon. You can open the gas too late. So it's, it's about that right timing thing. And a lot of it is patience and not not jamming it right when you get to get to the right spot and um uh, a great writer taught me about that this year of just like you just gotta wait you know just just wait a moment and then open it up because i was just fucking basically running off the track every time i got on the gas and like you gotta wait just a hair just wait a moment and then open it up then you can see or whatever and uh so as far, like I said, as far it goes into writing, it goes into to real life, uh, it goes into everything. hundred ten percent, bro. Absolutely, breathe. breathe, dude. So I'm big into the uh, Wim Hof method. You heard of Wim Hof? I'm not sure. The Ice Man. Uh, he does the uh, he does so his method is he takes ice baths all the time, which I love ice bath, but he does the breathing too, right? Where you what it is is you go. And you, you as deep as you can, but you don't let out as much air as you're taking in. So you're pushing all the alkaline out of your body and filling up with pure oxygen, right? And and when you work out like that, like I, I would, I got to the point, but before I, I tore my my shoulder muscle uh, doing because I went from 260 pounds to like 202, and this is what I used. This is method. So I would I went from no working out at all to 200 push-ups a day for a month. So I did. 4,000 pushups in a month. Okay. Yeah. At 200 a day. And I tore my muscle right here. Um, but what it is, is you, you deep breath 30 times, breathe deep, let out a little bit, do that for 30 times. You get the head rush. Your body goes through all these kind of like feelings and stuff. Right. And then you hold your breath and you do your pushups. Right. So you don't get tired or fatigued. Like, you know, if you get down right now and you did pushups, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, where your muscles yeah all the oxygen's out of your muscle, right? It's all alkaline yeah. now, so it's real fatigued. Uh, I was never sore. 
of the 4,000 push-ups I did in a month never got sore because of that whole breathe. But the breathing part to me is the most important, right? Because like what we talked about earlier, it calms your mind. You actually think better. You're not so clouded. Your wants, just because I want it right now, when you sit down and think about it, when your mind's kind of clear, it's it hopefully will come into focus, right? That just helps me uh, do that for sure. Um, right. Yeah, absolutely, man. So where do you see yourself in five years, bro? Whew. Man, good question. I'd like, uh, I'd like to still be doing this, obviously, but I don't know if in five years I'll still be writing, you know? I thought that for the last two years, I thought it was the last year that I was going to do it. And then my friends and support group keep motivating me to do it. Well, what race are you signing up for? And I'm like, ah, and they're like, eh, what? Like, what one is it? Because you're not done. Like, nobody's let me even consider being anywhere near done. So, um, as long as, yeah, as long as people want me to do it, I want to do it. Uh, I've been having a good time with it, and I'm only getting, uh, for myself, better at my writing, and then I'm only getting smarter here in the shop. So, um, I want to keep doing it. And uh, so, in five years, I'm either going to be you know, I'll be competing in some, in some fashion, or I'd like to just be the full-time like crew chief for our team and have something developed where we have, you know, maybe a rider that pays and a rider that doesn't, you know, and whatever. And we want, I mean, we want to do that this year where we, I mean, we have extra motorcycles, you know, so it's like we can prep this and get it ready for just about anybody, but it's so freaking expensive. You know, you tell them a price and they're, they run. So it's, <clears throat> it's tough. It is. Um, it's tough to, you know, what's affordable and like, you know, I'm not going to do it for free for them, especially if they're asking for, you know, a ride and you're not offering it to somebody. Uh, but I want the sport to grow and I want to see more young guys doing it. So it's kind of a catch 22. It is. So absolutely. Our new store, we signed a lease for three years. So in five years, I'd like to see the shop that I'm in now and the, and the new store combine into a bigger facility. We have a dyno. We have suspension services. We have a, a store that sells used motorcycles and then our service center. So to have all that in one building, it has to be rather big. Um, so hopefully in five years, we can do that. That would be a big, big step for my business. And then my son is six so he'll be 11 and he'll be getting ready for whatever junior class we got going on if he wants to race and two years behind him is my next son so i mean i can see myself in five years driving a lot <laughs> eating a lot of eating a lot of chef eats meals out of the rv you know and uh, love it love it hopefully i got a good crew work in the shop and and doing that stuff like i said we're we're hiring we're trying to get people that want to be around in five years and doing it we want we want to grow the sport and it's only up from here i don't see us uh backing down any unless we you know we were this last year like we struggled to make enough money um so we're increasing our labor rate this year um to hopefully you know help with the, the inflation or whatever and put us back to where we were because we were 
you know, we had enough to, to support the team. And now last year it's like, all right, it kind of sucked everything dry. So it's like trying to figure that out, you know, yeah. make enough money and not spend too much money. And uh, it's tough. It, but, it's it's the juggling act for sure. Welcome to the sport, right? It's uh yeah yeah, yeah man yeah. Uh, well, if I take a little weight off my shoulders and bring bring a couple new characters in, then hopefully I can still make money. They'll be making money. They're making a living because I want like that's I mean that's what I want. I want the sport to grow. I want people to to want to do this stuff, and I want to pay them enough that they're like, I got a good job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not yeah. I'm in this dead end bullshit till I'm till I'm out of here or whatever. Yeah, I want him to feel like it's worth it. Well, man, I wish I lived closer because I'd be like, sign me up, baby. I'll come work for you. But unfortunately, right. I, don't, I don't live that close. But uh, I will be do. Like a three-hour drive every yeah, day. Yeah, I, I can't drive three hours every day. It's six hours in my day, seven. Yeah, that's half the day. No, I whatever, sleep for dude. like four hours. Hey, don't be a pussy. And come on. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just say it. Don't be a pussy. Let's go. Uh, listen, who's the fo most famous person you have in your phone? Oh, you, dude. Chris Simcoe, Come on, yeah. man. Yeah, okay. That's not true, but thank you. Very humble. Thank you. Dominic Doyle and Brandon Posh were, were regular friends. So we met Brandon's awesome. dad this year. So I think that makes Dean, us friends, right? Yeah, yeah. Dean. Yeah, Dean's absolute awesome. Awesome. I haven't met him, but uh, he's he pretty always, popular. Yeah, he is. He comments Brandon. on my stuff all the time, so it's it's an absolute honor, man. Absolute. Do you, so, uh, do you have any superstitions? Uh, I'm a little superstitious. Yeah, like I follow like the uh, knock on the wood thing, and I, you know, I'm not super big on it, but don't walk under ladders. I don't know why that one sticks with me so much, but like I won't walk under the ladder. I'll walk all the way around it or whatever it is. So yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's important, I, you know. There's some greater is. powers out there we got to watch out for. You don't know which one's true. That's the problem with it being 2024. Can't believe anything anymore, <laughs> you know. You know, so I got to be really careful. I'm picking and choosing my battles. Well, I always tell people, man, just always ask questions and be open minded. Always yeah, ask yeah. questions. Don't don't never just take your word for it. Be like, but why? And go do your own research when it comes to. Yeah, all the, all all that other stuff. And listen, man, my man Jake Marsh is in the house. What is what up, up Jake? man? Dude, Jake's Jake, him and his dad, I, I love them guys so much. They are so proper mega. They actually uh Jake Marsh right here, they run my logo, dude, in BSB oh, cool. on the race team, on the race bike, on their leather suits. It's oh, uh, awesome. absolutely amazing. So, Jake, my man, what do you is have up? a podcast with them yet? Oh yeah, he's been on here several times. He, I got another oh, cool. one with him coming I'll up. Have to pop, pop, I'll have to peek at it. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's uh, dude. Jake's awesome. He races in the GP2 class, which is really cool. It's different than our 600 class. So a GP2 class, you you you're uh, he uses a Triumph. It's a Triumph motor, right? But you use like uh, a Kalex chassis and a swing arm, or a Suter oh, chassis and a Suter swing arm, right? So you get all these adjustments you can do to the chassis and everything, but the motor's got to be stock. Versus you buy an R6 and you race a regular 600 versus the GP2s, your R6 could have motor work done to it, but no chassis at all. No chassis got to be bone stock, right? Um, yeah. So it kind of evens uh, the 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 plan. Yeah, pick and out. choose your pick and choose your poison kind of deal. But to me, if it was me personally, I'd go with the GP2 because it's a little bit more money up front cost, right? But I got a stock motor and I, yeah. all this adjustability. 
versus you got a stock chassis and all that, but you got two or three ten thousand motors, you're gonna have to sneak into it, you know, throughout that's the season right. if not well, right. So to me it'd be just a little, I guess, cost efficient, but that's the way I would go for sure. 110%. Man, but yeah, listen, bro, this has been a lot of fun. We're we're two hours into this, dude, and I love it. Yeah, Absolutely. Man. Listen, <laughs> I hope cool. some people uh, enjoyed the show. Dude, that always do. I, absolutely, they will. Um, and this is part one of of many we're gonna do together. Obviously, I want to follow you and and Logan, your team th- th- this year in in Moto America. Uh, so we'll do a, a mid season report. Well, we'll do one in, in Atlanta, and then we'll do a mid season, and of course, we'll all get together in Jersey at the yeah. end of the year. And yeah, yeah do it awesome. again. Be absolutely. And in between there, I plan on coming down. We'll just have to work out a date. Uh, to where I can come down there on the weekend when you're going to be there. And, uh, yeah, I'll spend the weekend with you and your team, and we can hang That'd out. That'd be awesome. Podcast and all that cool stuff. be great stuff. But, listen, before we get off here, my man Ryan, RTR, <laughs> tell everybody where they can find you at, how they can follow you, how they can support you, and all that good stuff. Yeah, the easiest way is just to do a Google search for Ready to Ride NC. Ready to Ride NC as in North Carolina. You can find the website, which has all the apparel and gear. You can find the Facebook and Instagram, um, or you can just Google search my name, and, and it'll also come up, uh, Ryan Snooks, uh, with any of the Ready to Ride stuff. So please give us a, a like and a follow because we plan on only making the sport better. So if you if you even think of a way that we can do it better, I'd love to hear about it. Or if uh, you love the, love the show, uh, tell us about that too. I'll share it all on my personal personal pages and stuff, so that way we can get it across. I'm really thankful, Chris, for uh, for having me. It was a really awesome time. Very, very, very fluid and very easy to work with. I appreciate it, man. That that that's the goal, man. I want to, like my man said, be uncommon amongst uncommon people, right? I want to, yeah. I want to make everybody that comes on here because we are friends, right? I want it to be not tense, not up, you know, just relaxed, have fun, laugh, and cuss and all that bullshit. Maybe that's, <laughs> that's what it's about, man. For real, that's what well, it's having a good me. time. Yeah, get to know me and uh, and you and and a little bit more about the sport, everyone's perspective of the sport. You know, that's really cool. It is absolutely. It's important. It's important because everybody has a a role to play in our sport, and without that's that right. one yeah, role, all, yeah, without that piece. one role, it, it's it's not a whole no more, right? We're missing some. So everybody is. Just, yeah, I want to interview from the tire changers at the Dunlop guys to the corner marshal workers to the guy cooking up food for everybody that's just walking in. That's just a fan. I mean. Dude, to me, those stories are just as important as everybody else's story in, in the game, right? Right. And everybody has a voice. And, uh, yeah. Speaking of, man, shout out to all the corner workers out there. Facts. If, uh, if we don't have people volunteering for corner working soon, uh, track rates will only increase, you know, because they have to pay them. So yep. we need to volunteer and do that. If you can do it once a year, it's a huge, huge help. You know, if you're not racing that round or something and you still want to be a part of the racing, just just do corner working. And most of the time you get a hundred bucks or you get a free track day out of it too. Something like that. You know what I mean? It's a win win situation. Yeah. But the sport it's the only the only way the sport will continue is if we give back. It has, it's gotta be a full circle kind of deal. If we just keep road racers are really selfish, you know, we take, take, take. That's because we think, Oh, I need this, I need this, I need this, that's why I'm gonna get better. But like, well, what does the sport need? And we have to remember that, you know. So help a racer out, help your uh, help your organization out, or or maybe donate to the to the road race action fund or something like that. Absolutely, you know. And I have a saying too: uh, is that uh, none of us are strangers. We're just friends that haven't met yet, right? So yeah. 
that's a motto that that I kind of keen to take and, and tell people about. It's just a different way of, of of looking at life, right? Like you're not a stranger, we're just a friend that we haven't met yet. We hadn't crossed paths yet, right? Um yep. but yeah, but listen. It's been an absolute honor, dude. Listen, nothing but love for all you guys. Look at that. Boom, all the hearts coming out. But listen, before I – yeah, you like that, didn't you? Yeah, look, let's do it again. Look at that. Yeah, baby, let's go. Oh, oh can uh, I do it? Uh, dude, uh, a buddy – so I had a guest. Yeah, oh, there it is. Oh, what's up? Yes, sir. That's it. You guys see it. But listen, real quick, but before I end this, man, I got to give my shouts out to Big Shout Out. Again, to RD Racing, Jake Marsh, Club 45, BSB, GP2 class. Go sign up for Club 45. Support my man, Jake. Absolute legend. Uh, you guys can catch BSB for free at BennettsBritishSuperbikes.com. You can watch it for free, 2024. Don't miss it. Big shout out to my man, Martin, at the clothingkings.co.uk. They have nice. all pinned to gas merch. You can get hats, T-shirts, beanie hats, body warmers, soft cell jackets. So big shout out to them. If anybody's listening, wants some pinned to gas merch. Get on there right now. Yep. Hit them up. Um, also, Ryan, I need your address because I got some pinned to gas pod sticker, stickers I just got in that I'm going nice. to send you. I'm going to give you some and let Logan some. Um, so yeah, listen, sure. uh, listen, I, I'm very humbled and I tell everybody, man, it's an honor. And thank you guys so much for liking the podcast, listening to me and go like, and subscribe on all social medias where I'm at yeah, Spotify, iHeart, yeah, all that good stuff. Push and, this podcast, make it happen. Push it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> do it. But yes, listen, Sharing and also stories. share it, share it. And RTR is hiring. So if you guys That's are looking right. for a job and you're in North Carolina, hit my man, Ryan Snooks up uh, for yeah, an we interview. Got, we got bikes there to fix. Is. Like we got race bikes. Uh, you, you don't want to work on this, but I mean, we got Kawasaki's, <laughs> Yamaha's. There's plenty uh, to do, plenty of tires yeah. to install. Please, please, please come and check it out. Thank That's you, Chris. It. Dude, Thank listen, you. You, dude, you're very welcome. If anybody has any issues or you're interested in getting in touch with Ryan and you just can't find them, dude, drop me a message or call me. I'll put you direct contact with them. It's not an issue. So, yes, listen. I'm going to get off here. Thank you guys so much. I'll be back on the podcast tomorrow, so you will see this face again tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, Ryan, listen, Daytona, you already know I'm cheering for you, bro. And uh, Yeah, we're I, coming for the yeah, gold. I want that rolling. That w, baby. That's it. I need that. Can't tell I what need... time it is yet. Can't no, tell what time no, it is no. yet. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I hear you. I hear... It's funny because uh, my wife's like, do you have anything to do? I'm like, let me check my Palm Pilot. I ain't got shit, right? Yeah. That's yeah. What <laughs> but yes, listen, Ryan, what an honor. Go have fun. Tell everybody I said hello at the shop. And uh, yeah, I'll shoot you a text message. We'll get on the phone. We'll plan our next one. And uh, cool. yeah, until then, I'll see you guys later. All, All right, right, Ryan. Thanks, dude, dude. Hey, Take care, that, man. Yeah, you too, my man. Look, a, a little thumbs.